Hello, everybody. This is episode number 159 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is March 30th, 2021. I'm Robert Ring, and with me is the invisible Mr. Jay Totoro. Invisible? Good morning. Oh, I almost said good morning. Good evening. <laughs> good morning. Evening. Good morning. And good night. What's going on? <laughs> Nothing much. How about you? I, 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 it's good. So one of my one of one of the leaders of my company was trying to do the line from um, what is that from? Uh, what? The Truman Show. You know, oh, like, uh, oh, like good and, evening, good night, yeah. and like yeah. be careful. Completely <laughs> butchered it. Like it, it was, it was like uncomfortably butchered, <laughs> and it was, it was so. I felt so bad. I'm like, uh, at least he tried. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah, who quote? Like I've never, I don't know that I've ever heard somebody quote the Truman Show. Not that it's a, not a quotable. It seems like it should be a quote worthy film, but it's like I never hear anybody do that. Hey, movie. Yeah, it's pretty good. I liked it. You enjoy the movie? I didn't understand it when I was younger. I said when it it came out, obviously when I was a lot younger. But I remember being like, "What in the fuck?" <laughs> it like blew your fucking mind. Yeah, I was like, "Wait, am I in the Truman Show?" I mean, I, there, <laughs> right. Actually, I remember reading there was a um, there's a disorder that came from that actually called the Truman Truman disorder Truman Show disorder something like that. Uh-huh. Where people think that they're on television. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, like. like did you go around like looking in your like bathroom mirrors to see if there were cameras and stuff for like people watching you? Oh, no, nothing like that. But it just it's just kind of funny. Like I was just like, huh? Like what if I'm on TV? You're like it could be any of us. It could be me. Yeah. But I'm like the only person I can trust is myself. Oh shit! We're getting into some uh, existential stuff now. Conspiracy, conspiratorial type shit. Yeah. Uh, do you ever have you do you ever have this happen where? You just, there's something that's like mildly funny, but for some reason, like just hits you right at the perfect time to where it becomes the most hilarious thing that's ever happened. Yeah. Occasionally. I had to am intoxicated. Huh? I said, especially if I'm intoxicated. Oh, well, yeah, that of course helps. But, uh, <laughs> I had this happen a few nights ago and yep. some, uh, some of our listeners may have. But I already know what I'm talking about because I posted a video of it on Twitter because my daughter grabbed my phone. Oh, I saw this too. Oh, you did see it. Yeah, Holy shit. It. I don't know. Like, I just lost my fucking shit. All, all that happened was, just for anybody who's listening who didn't see it, was me and my daughter were eating dinner. My wife wasn't feeling good, so she was laying down in bed or something. And we were coming up with, with fake etiquette rules because we had a recently, long story short, we got, we were watching this uh, YouTube channel where this lady gives etiquette rules on like the proper way to fucking eat dinner and stuff. And uh, I was like, this is insane. Like she had rules for, you, you're not supposed to eat all of one part of the meal at once. You're supposed to like move to different parts of the plate. I'm like, fuck you lady, I'll eat my fucking food however I want to eat it. But uh, anyway, for some reason, we got like down the rabbit hole and watching that and we were making fun of that stuff. And so we were coming up with our own rules. And I said that you can't, that if you want to try somebody else's food, that's okay, but you have to ask them and then you have to ask everybody else at the table if they mind if you try that person's food. <laughs> and that just, my own jokes just set me off. So fucking hard. I was crying. I couldn't like almost breathe correctly. And for a few minutes, I was laughing absolutely uncontrollably. As I said, luckily, Catherine had the uh, the wits to to 
take my to grab my phone and video me because there was I didn't even realize this till I saw the video, but there was a vein bulging out of the side of my head. <laughs> I almost, oh, looked, I almost looked like that meme of that guy, like in class, you know what I'm talking about? Where he's... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was nuts. For like a good five or ten minutes, I just could not get myself together. Uh, and I honestly think it may be possibly the hardest I've ever laughed in my entire life. I love that. Like, I love when I get people going to like every once in a while, I'll get Lisa with something and she'll just like start laughing and she can't stop. And I'll just keep going and going and going. It's just <laughs> when you're, when you're, on either side of it. It's enjoyable, except when your stomach starts to hurt. And that's just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> so that, that was good. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, I, I never knew if that was just me cause I'm just an idiot sometimes, or if that happens to other people. I know it, my, it happened to my dad. My dad told me that when he was in, when he was like, I don't know, 10 years old or something, he was at a camp and they were eating biscuits. And one of his friends said, I'm going to have to get a chainsaw to cut through these. They're so hard. And for some reason, that made my dad laugh so hard that they had to haul him away on a stretcher. Should be our top five. They had to haul him away on a stretcher? Yeah. I have a, one of my close friends as a child, we, he would stay over a lot, like during the summer and stuff. And one night we were laying in bed, like I had a bunk bed and, um, we were just talking, like, we were like, kind of like talking and falling asleep or whatever. And then he like threw cold water at me and it like hit my lamp and the light bulb popped. It just like, because it was like <laughs> oh, very shit. cold water against a hot surface and it popped. And then he like, he was, he like went like. And he spilled water, like he spilled a bunch of the water he had all over the carpet. And I was, and I, I was dead, like half asleep. I didn't even care about the lamp. I just wanted to go to bed. And I was like, stop, my room's going to grow mold. And it just ignited like this moment of ice. <laughs> still to this day, like we just started laughing. And my mom ended up coming in like 15 minutes later. And she's like, what the hell's going on? Like, he has made so much noise. And then we try to explain it to her. And I'm like, this is not going to be funny. This is going to be ridiculous. Because <laughs> you said it's going to grow mold. He'll still text me every once in a while and be like, he's like, you better stop or your, your room's going to grow mold. And I just like, oh, wherever I am, I just start laughing again. Oh my gosh, like, that's awesome. To me. That's awesome. Yeah. One time In I had the middle a... of the meeting. <laughs> one, time when I, when I, one time I had a friend over and uh, we were, you know, he was spending the night and we were trying to go to sleep and uh, I had the, my fan going and uh, I... I grab some jeans that it like I don't know that it just had laying around and I sure. tossed them into the fan oh <laughs> and it swung around a good one or two times with the jeans kind of like still caught on one of the blades sure. and then it fucking launched you know th- keep in mind these aren't like khakis or something these are jeans fairly heavy pants it threw them into this big uh like shelf that I had where I had like you know like little trophies from like when I played fucking coach pitch and like soccer and stuff like that, yeah. <laughs> and like any, any other cool thing that I wanted to have set up, it launched it into that. It didn't knock the thing over, but it knocked just about everything off of it. And like the whole shelf itself, Jesus. like banged against the wall. <laughs> that same thing happened with us. We were like just uncontrollably laughing because it was almost, it was like such a huge catastrophe, but nothing actually, I don't think at least nothing important actually broke. <laughs> and it was the same situation. Like my mom, or I think my dad came in, he was like, what's going on? And we're like hiding under the covers. just going like nothing. 
Oh my god, that, that's the best part is like when somebody comes in, you're like, oh, you're gonna love this, and you're like, wait, no, they're not, they're gonna think I'm an idiot. <laughs> yep. And you're just like, I'm not gonna say anything, nothing, nothing happened. And then, of course, your parents are like, are you on drugs? <laughs> All right, well, Jay, yeah. let's talk about, let's talk about classic games. Okay. Um, there's actually a bunch of news, so so I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start hitting the rundown on here. Sure. Limited games, limited limited games, limited run games. Just I think just today announced that they are doing a Doom collection. Uh, and it looks pretty badass. It's uh, there is there are three versions. So so it's Doom. Uh, for PS4 or. Um, Switch, and it's the original Doom, Doom 2, and Doom 3. And there are three different, like, packet like ways you can buy it. One is the standard edition, which, of course, it's limited to run games, so what you're getting is a physical copy of this stuff. Um, it's got all the three games, and I think that's pretty much it. Then there's a special edition, which adds, like, some bonus stuff. There's, uh, let's see, I think it's got a steelbook. A uh, keychain, a USB thing, a USB that looks like a like one of the original Doom floppy disks, a uh, little medic, a uh, little replica of one of the keys, one of the like the little keys that you use to unlock doors in, in in Doom in the original Doom, and a reprint of the of the Doom comic book, which evidently came out in 1996. That wow. version is eighty dollars. It sounds all right. I'm. I'm I don't really care about most of that stuff, but it would be kind of cool to have that comic book. Yeah, that is kind of... I, I assume you probably already purchased it by the time you mentioned it, but yeah. <laughs> I'm considering it. I'm thinking about it. Uh, I think the, the comic book would be fun to look at, um, and it would be it would be cool to have a physical copy of Doom. I don't really care too much about the metal key replica, although it might be all right. I really don't care about the keychain. I don't care too much about the floppy disk USB also. So to me, it's kind of comes down to do i want to pay 80 bucks for basically a cool looking box and a doom comic you when you get like keychains from you know tchotchkes or whatever from games or from events or whatever what do you do with them do you end up putting them in your keychain or do you just no not usually uh-huh. if i if i end up like often what will happen if i get one that's actually cool i'll be like what what can I do with this? Because I don't really want to put it on my actual keychain because it just makes it more clunky in my pocket. My keys mm-hmm. are already fairly clunky as they are because I keep like a little little tiny flashlight hanging from it. And uh, that alone to me is like, okay, that's that's clunky enough. I don't want it anymore. So usually what happens is I try to think of something that I can put it on and I usually can't come up with anything. Although I did figure out one thing one time for my uh my my pedal board that has all my pedals uh for playing guitar all my effects pedals it has a zipper case that comes with it for when you're carrying if you want to like take it somewhere and on that on one of the zippers on there i put a ninja turtles uh keychain oh very cool it's it's actually it's a lego ninja turtles uh it's it's donatello it's it's lego donatello keychain and he's hanging from one of the zippers on that that is the only thing i've ever found to do with with one of those with, with a keychain. How about you? Do you ever do them with anything? Do anything with them? No, no. So as I say, the reason why is when I was a kid. When I was a kid, when I was younger, I worked at Subway, and one of my bosses, she had like a gigantic key ring with a bunch of shit all over it. You know, like random tchotchkes and whatever it was. And what ended up happening is her over time, the weight of her keychain was chipping away at her key, 
And then ultimately one day she was leaving work and she couldn't start her engine because the key was dinged and dented from the weight of it. So ever since then, I, I literally, my keys are the bare minimum. Like I don't even like putting on like those CVS cards or, oh, really? um, yeah, like I, I just don't put any additional weight on it. Cause I'm just <laughs> concerned that like, I just don't want to damage my, my key gets uh, wear and tear anyways. Like my, I can definitely notice the difference between my key now from when I first got it. Sure. So like you know, some of the sharper areas are more rounded and stuff. So I've been way too paranoid. And realistically, I don't like to do that anyways. I'm not like a huge like, you know, hey, here's all my hobbies type thing. Right. I, I guess if that makes sense. Like, I don't like to market that out there. Not that I'm like ashamed. Just I, I, I'll be honest. I don't really like talking to people. So it uh, <laughs> it, it promotes conversation. And I, that's not what I want. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. For me, it's not so much like, oh, I got to show off what I like doing or whatever. But if there's one that just for whatever reason just looks cool, I'm like, I really want to find somewhere to 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 use this because it looks cool. I'd like to see it, but yeah, for keychains, I usually can't find something to do with it. Makes sense. Yeah, it's kind of the same book. Um. Okay. So back to Doom. Then there's also a another version up. There's a collector's edition that's a hundred and thirty dollars. Okay, you can and get it, out of here with this. <laughs> it comes with everything else. Holy shit! I didn't read the details on this. It's actually kind of badass. <laughs> so it's it's it comes with all the same stuff, but. The packaging is a sh- is one of those shadow box things. You know what those are? I love shadow boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, for anybody who's listening who doesn't know. It's it's like a picture. It's like a three D picture, basically. Um, where they have like part like something. That's my yeah, that's where I've seen a lot of them. Yeah, like part of a picture cut out. Like so, I think it's got the original Doom box art. So like the uh, the the doom guy shooting the demons is on a different cutout section. That's kind of like in front of everything else. So it gives it uh, some, you know, some, some depth anyway, it comes with a shadow box version. The the package is a shadow box version of the art, but also it lights up and it plays the doom music. Okay. That's pretty cool. That's actually kind of fucking awesome. I get it, but that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, man. Okay. So that's what it is. Actually sounds kind of sweet. I I don't know. $130 still is a lot, you know? Well, I'll share something here in a little bit, but there's a, a, a deluxe edition of something that, you, that sounds much more appetizing than this. So, okay. Uh, I want to ask you, have you played the new Doom yet? Uh, Doom Eternal? Yeah. 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 I loved it. I watched Zach play it quite a bit this week. It looks really fun. It's awesome. A lot of people complained about it. Uh, Really? Yeah. It was well received. It was, I think generally it was pretty well, like pretty good, pretty, pretty good received, pretty well received. (laughs) Um, No, everybody seems to say, yeah, okay. The 2016 doom was better. And then, Hmm. and which I do agree with. And then everybody else it's half. It seems to me like half and half split, like, but doom eternal was also really good or doom eternal. Like, just screwed everything up. I really don't understand the hate that it does get because it does, it's, there are, like, people do bring up legitimate, like, complaints, but all the complaints for me were very minor, very minor things about the game, and it it still did everything else really amazingly. So, yeah, I loved it. I don't get the hate that it it gets. Um, I do understand why people, you know, have complaints, but I don't understand, like, why they kind of take those complaints so far. But yeah, especially whatever. given that the last like five years of games, not five last five years, but there's just been so many disappointing releases of titles. Like, 
I don't know. I guess it, I guess if you're gonna nitpick, you can nitpick. But I guess my perspective is like at least it was a pretty well-rounded game compared yeah. to some of the other dog do we've got in the last five five years or so. Yeah, I was super happy with it. Okay. All right. Next up, Clockwork Aquario. A never before released arcade game is now being released. So uh, this w- where did I get this from? I forgot to paste the news. Um, this was a, an arcade game that just never came out. They made it, and I don't remember why I read it didn't, uh, why it wasn't released. Sorry, I'm trying to look it up as I'm talking. And uh, but but some company has kind of gotten it, and they're releasing it now for Switch uh, for Switch and PS4 sometime in quarter two of this year. Um, oh. Let's see. Okay, I mean, just, not that I know the game, but that's just kind of cool. Yeah, it's 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 basically it looks like a platformer, but it looks like a lot more kind of in depth than you would expect an arcade platformer to be. Uh, this is on okay. Dest- Destructoid. And their article about this, they say, uh, while some of the game's original elements were now lost to time, including music and sound effects, the project ru- oh yeah, the project runners were able to convince members of the original development team to return and complete the project. So they got people from the orig- that originally worked on this to come back and uh, work on it, help them with the, the music and sound effects. You must have been super fans of this game to do that. Like, that would take so much motivation and just time. Yeah, Damn. no kidding. Impressive. Um, I respect it. I do too. Is this on limited? I don't think this is limited run. Strict, strictly limited games is is who's okay. who's published who's close. yeah uh so yeah it looks it looks really kind of interesting so so check that out uh neo geo pocket color selection volume one is, is is out now on switch i'll say that again neo geo pocket color selection volume one is uh Oof. as it sounds it's a collection of neo geo pocket color games this is available uh, on Switch now, so that I don't. That's 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 kind of awesome. I think I don't think anybody basically played Neo Geo Pocket Color, um, but uh, let's see. It has the games. It has Samurai Showdown, King of Fighters R two, SNK Gals Fighters, Fatal Fury First Contact, The Last Blade Beyond the Destiny, uh, SNK vs Capcom Match of the Millennium. Uh, big tournament golf, Dark Arms Beast Buster. One <laughs> of these titles: <clears throat> Metal Slug First Mission and Metal Slug Second Mission. Okay. You can also play them in a monochrome version if you want to. It's kind of that's kind of fun, hmm. I think. Oh, and you know what? Cool. You know what's really cool about this actually is that not only does it have the games, but it has full 3D scans. Of the packaging and the cartridges themselves, to where you can like go to a, a screen where it'll show you the case and you can open the case and like the game will pop out and you can just see how it looked. Like that's kind of commendable in my opinion that you're yeah, going to go through all the trouble. Extra touch. Yeah, yeah, nice extra touch so you can show somebody what this physically actually looked like. Hundred um, percent. I really respect that. So that's cool. Again, that's out now on Switch. I think it is forty dollars. Uh, t- oh, t- uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge was just announced uh, a week or so ago. This is a, a new game. 
okay. It's it's a no. It's a new game. I don't think they've said when it's coming out, but they have said soon. And it it is a uh, it's like a retro styled throwback to the Ninja Turtles beat 'em up games. Oh, very cool. So probably co op. Is this is this gonna be on Switch? I'm gonna show you this. Um, That's it's super exciting. That I don't know. Like a fun co op thing. Oh, it look, it sounds so awesome. I don't know if they've announced what platforms it's gonna be on, but check this out. And the and they're I'm gonna try now. You can tell they're really going for a, for a classic Ninja Turtles look. Just the way they have this trailer. It's in the yeah. old cartoon style. It's funny. The trailer is really badass, but it's two minutes with about 15 seconds of actual game I'm footage. Most of it is just this like, I mean, the comic's cool, but like, yeah, it, it's, it drives me nuts. But I, I think you and I have talked about this before when you go on like Steam and you, you're looking for a new game to play and you click like, oh, let me watch the trailer. And it's like all these cutscenes, 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 and you show the graphics and it's a phone game. And you're like, Okay, if you would have just shown me the phone game from the start, I would have been out of here by now. Like, <laughs> Maybe that's why they didn't doing. do it. Yeah, exactly. But no, yeah, I agree with you. I think in some cases, like in this case, you can get away with that. Yeah. Because Ninja Turtles has such a built-up fan base already. Anybody's going to be like, oh, shit, look at this. This is cool. Like, for me, I watched the whole thing happily and didn't even care that they weren't getting to gameplay for a while. But then when they do get to gameplay, as you'll see, it's, it, it's uh, you know, pixel art. It's, it's, uh, it's a beat-em-up. It looks amazing. So I'm very excited for that. Uh, Next up, Super Nintendo World's grand opening happened. This is at Universal Studios Japan, which is in uh, Osaka, I believe. And they released a little video, and it looks really, really cool. I don't honestly remember much of the details because it's been about a month since I watched it, but uh, it, it looks really cool. And I didn't realize that evidently they're working on uh, Super Nintendo Worlds in uh, Universal Studios in in the states as well. Wow. So I don't know when that's going to open, but eventually, apparently, it, it is going to. So, it, but it looked really cool. All right, Jay, Kingdom Hearts. You're a big fan. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Yeah. It is now on PC. Epic Games Store Ooh. exclusive. You can now get. Launcher, I will say. Huh? Not a bad launcher. Epic ones. It's not that bad. Is it not? It's I've never, okay. I've it's, never it's used not it. The ones. It's not like the Ubisoft or the really like you know the really toxic cancer ones. It's not one of those. Okay. Not bad. They, they have. You can get Kingdom Hearts HD 1.5 and 2.5 Remix, which itself contains a whole bunch of games with all the you know ridiculous titles that Kingdom Hearts games have. Yep. 325 one half quart milk yeah <laughs> yeah very good it also they also have kingdom hearts hd 2.8 uh final chapter prologue which also has multiple that, titles that title man that is such a kingdom hearts thing. <laughs> yep. god damn uh kingdom hearts 3 plus remind i think it's dlc oh remind i think is the deal is dlc and kingdom yeah. hearts melody of memory those are all now on the Epic Game Store. First time they've been on PC. So if you're a Kingdom Hearts fan, these, these titles make sense. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, it's I didn't even read the best ones because we've we've done we've yeah, talked about them so many times. Um, so tilting. I just read like the main titles of th- those are the actual ones you can buy, and some of those have multiple games within them. All right. Speaking of more Square Enix games that we love, Final Fantasy XI. Did you know that there was they were working on a remake? Vaguely remember that. 
but I don't remember any of the details. I, I vaguely remember somebody mentioning that. That is that kind of blows my mind in a way. I had no idea they were working on a remake. The I'm remake, however, there. it was going to be a mobile remake. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Blizzard take a take back seat. Of course. <laughs> but that has now been canceled. Good. Evidently I'm protesting mobile games. Evidently 2000, I think two I could be wrong. I think what I read was 2018 was the last time they showed or said anything about it. And so it's kind of, I think a lot of people had kind of assumed it was dead, but now they've officially said that it's dead. I mean, the mobile market's obviously ridiculous. And anybody who, who doesn't think the mobile market's a thing, you need to wake up. Because mobile, unfortunately, mobile games are going to be the future. It is really, we'll talk about this a little bit, but it is, I'm very concerned for the next like 15 years of gaming because I think... I think a lot of of what I enjoy today is going to start to fade away. I think um, I think there's going to be indie developers, right? Like I still think there's going to be some pretty cool stuff, but I think it's going to be like smaller, like privately funded things that are going to be enticing to me and and people of around my age. Whereas like I, I think a lot a lot more uh, developers are going to transition either partially or fully to mobile at this point. Hmm. It just I mean China is the biggest market for gaming, so it's and they yeah. love love mobile games. It's a shame. I'm terrified. It is. Mobile games suck. Speaking still of Square Enix games that we love, oh, man. or that you love especially, Final Fantasy VIII Remastered is now on iOS and Android. Why? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. That I, uh, that, that I can respect to some extent, because like, I feel like JRPGs are, like a port to mobile is like, okay. Yeah, yeah that's fine. okay, yeah, you know, that's that's fair. Yeah. Mortal Mortal I have such a uh, problem saying this for some reason. Mortal Kombat. There's a new movie coming out. There's a trailer release. Did you see it? I did. I I saw pieces of it. I saw people posting about it. People were kind of freaking out about this. It didn't look that great to me. I haven't watched this, so I really can't speak to it. I mean the other the old ones it's obviously a classic. Like it's not a great movie. It's a fun movie. But I didn't really like the old well, I mean I saw it way too late also but i don't yeah, really I say it, it's just a classic like, I, I don't think it's like a sorry but i don't think it's like a high quality movie that is like <laughs> worth worth bragging about but it's a fun watch if you're like i just want to watch something you know ridiculous this one looks more or less just like a like if they took that that old one and just made it in modern day so if you like the old one from the trailer this one looks kind of similar really along the same lines I don't know when that's coming out, but they released a trailer. And finally, it'll probably be direct movie huh? or direct to release. Rather. It'll probably be direct to release. Like they're not going to put it. Maybe. I don't know. Thing. Oh, you said you had something before I get to my last thing. You have something, right? Do you have to be positive or negative? What? Your last thing is your last thing positive or negative. Mine is, uh, I guess it would be considered positive. Okay, perfect. Let's end on a positive note then. So, <laughs> Blizzard. So th- this is a, a fun one. So they uh, they they're in the process of re-releasing the first expansion for World of Warcraft. Uh, so they are re-releasing content that has already been done, uh, and it's going to come out sometime in the summer of this year. Okay. They uh, it's obviously free. So as long as you have a subscription, you can basically play on it and you know whatever. Right? It's a recycled content. So you of course it's free. Blizzard. I actually did read at one point that um, one of their like people who left the company said that Blizzard tried to find a way to charge people for it, but their lawyers said they couldn't do it because 
a lot of people had already paid for the content previously. Okay. So it would be like a risky thing for them to try and bill people again for the same thing, right? If that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they are going to charge people for it, but they're going to do it through a really Blizzard-esque way. They're doing a deluxe version of a free game. And the deluxe version gives you um, a few things. The first thing, it gives you an in-game item that is kind of damages the integrity a little bit. Not a huge fan of it. I, I won't explain exactly what it is, but not a huge fan of that portion of it. It gives you a mount and then some other like really minor stuff. It, it, I don't think they've said how much they're going to charge for it. It's expected between like 30 and $40, but it is like insane to me that they are going to try and give a bunch of, bunch of like basically tchotchkes, you know, talk about keychains and stuff. Uh, a way to try and entice people to to pay $40 for a game that they've already released once. Okay. Even more, uh, they, there is a, in, in, cause obviously this is content, this is people have already played, right? So when you beat a game, you generally start to learn things that are the most efficient ways to do things. You can kind of exploit certain things in order to make it easier for you, right? Does that make sense? Yes. So... Blizzard said early on that there's a specific thing that people generally overuse. I won't call it an exploit, but it's something that people figured out was a very efficient way to do things. And Blizzard said, hey, we really want to fix this. We don't want this to be the meta of the game. So we really want to address this. Um, so we're doing some research internally, and we're, we'll let you guys know what we're going to do with it. So they announced this week uh, they are going to do absolutely nothing. And that is their final decision. So they, they oh, went sweet. to the public and said... They said, hey, we, understand, we believe this to be an issue. We're going to address it. We want to fix it. And then they came back like, not. it wasn't even like a week later, man. It was not even like a week <laughs> later. They're like, we're just going to do nothing. Okay. And so the community was like, obviously super pissed because, you know, Blizzard being Blizzard made an announcement and then just completely backpedaled. And the worst part was, is when you look at the, the posting, it was by one of their community managers. It almost feels like there's some internal disconnect with their organization because what the community manager said versus what um, one of the developers said were like two different things. It was, it's really bizarre. So I really don't know if somebody was just on PTO and somebody goofed or something, <laughs> but it is one of those things that's obviously pissing off a lot of people as well. Blizzard's, Blizzard is damaging. I won't go into super far into detail, but they are damaging some of the integrity of the, of the product by doing some, uh, they're trying to get the cash shop, cash shop installed as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And people have been data mining the, the beta servers for it and have found that Blizzard is trying to do a bunch of different cash shop type line items for it. Uh, mm -hmm. And obviously people are, again, not thrilled. And Blizzard's like, yep, sorry. We have to milk this thing for as much money as possible. So. And then I don't, I think we talked about this last time, but Blizzard laid off 190 people. I think we did talk about this last time, right? I don't think so. I, I know what you're okking. talking about, but I don't think we talked about it. I just run through really quick. So they laid off 190 people. Uh, a quarter of it was a part of their esports division. A lot of my, my old friends, I guess call them ex-colleagues and stuff, were uh, fired. They were let go. And uh, Blizzard then announced later that week that they were going to give a $200 million bonus to their now CEO, who oh, already received yeah, a... Yeah. Yeah, $30 million salary. So, um, you know, just once again, Blizzard doing Blizzard things. But it was just insane because they, they said they were they were downsizing their esports division and trying to set up for the future. And then they just give this guy, you know, almost a quarter billion dollar set bonus. <laughs> yeah, and they gave the people who got fired, they gave them $200 Battle.net battle gift cards. Oh, they didn't give them severance? No, 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 no. They did give them severance too, but they also yeah. gave them the Battle.net gift card, which thought was kind of funny if it wasn't yeah. so sad 
it, it was brutal because like that day it happened i just had all these people on twitter like well i was one of the people impacted if anybody can retweet this please do and i'd see like a bunch of my friends retweet it and then you know 30 minutes later well i was impacted by this oh man anybody knows anybody's looking for for, for whatever you know a software developer esports writer commentator whatever it is it's just like oh my god like yeah it sucks so but yeah so okay last thing is the Strong Museum World Video Game Hall of Fame finalists for 2021 have been announced. We got 10, and as always, they're picking five? I think it's five. I'm pretty sure it's five out of the 10. Do we like the pickings, Robert? Tell me ahead of time. Do we like the pickings? Um, yes, yes, we do. I think there. Oh, there's one that there's one that will make you cringe as it did me. But the rest of them, I'm I'm very happy with. Okay. All right. Here we go. These are the ten again. They're going to pick five of these to to be inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, May sixth. First one is Animal Crossing. Oh. Second one, Call of Duty. Makes sense. Next one, Farmville. I don't even know what Farmville is, to be honest with you. It's a... Let me... let me. How about I'll read you the first sentence. This free-to-play game from developer Zynga changed the video oh, game industry yeah, and how... Yeah, it's... Uh, I'm out. I believe... Oh, yeah. yep. uh, oh here we go. Uh, millions created their first social media account just to play this simple Flash game on Facebook. Oof. I'm out. <laughs> um, I believe it's just a clicker. I'm out. Yep. Um, next one. FIFA International Soccer. Okay. Guitar Hero. Okay. Ma- Mattel Football, the 1977 handheld electronic little thing. Okay. Um, here's a... Here's a... Is this? I don't think I know this one. Um, I don't know. Sorry, I don't have the link. Uh, so okay. Actually, here. Here. Here I do. Um, scroll down and you'll see it. it you'll, you'll know it when you see it right after Guitar Hero. Uh, next one, Microsoft Flight Simulator. Makes perfect sense. Uh-huh. Pole Position. Excuse me? Pole Position, which is a um, racing game. Okay, okay. It's, a, it's an arcade racing game. Portal. You ready for this okay. next one? Oh, I see it. I Starcraft. Yeah. Tron, and where in the world is Carbon San Diego? Okay, pretty pretty solid list minus Farmville. I agree, pretty solid list minus Farmville. So this will be our top five for the next episode. Then, cool. I'm very, which, this is a this is gonna be a fun one. It is, yeah, it is gonna be a fun one. Which of these, which five of these ten games do you think should be in the World Video Game Hall of Fame? Again, for the listeners, real quick. That's well, I'll I'll, I'll recap them at the end of the episode. Uh, okay, Jay, time to talk about the games we've been playing. Uh, I've got... Oh, shit. Oh, oh, it's Game of the Quarter. I for, I almost fucking forgot. I would not have let you forget because I don't have another game, so... Okay. I'll, I'm going to save that one for last then. I would like to talk about Monkey Island. So, The Secret of Monkey Island is our Game of the Quarter, if you're unaware. Jay and I both played it. Some of our listeners did, too. We'll talk about that one in a few minutes. First, I'm going to talk about the other games that I've played for this episode. I'm going to do them in shortest to, shortest discussion to longest discussion order. I play. I've got three besides Monkey. I've been playing a lot of games lately. So, yeah, 
let's start off, kick this off with Marble Madness. This was uh, originally an arcade game. came out in 1984. And the version... I played the Sega Genesis port, which came out in 1991. Jay, you consider yourself a Marble Madness fan. Did you ever play it? A little bit. I rented it once or twice. Uh, I'm not a huge fan, but like... It's not a bad game by any means, just not my, not something I was like super into. Oh yeah, I, I wasn't super into it either. I really, I really, this is like a, one of those games that I really liked and I didn't play it nearly as much as I liked it. I would always play it if I saw it in an arcade or if, you know, I like saw it at a friend's house or whatever, but I never, maybe I rented it once or twice, but I never really played it that much. So I was just like, you know, let's go back and give Marble Madness a try. I really like the, the idea of it. So if you're not familiar with it, you just control a marble and you go through these stages trying to get from one end uh, to the other. And basically you're kind of sort of going downhill, but it's basically, I mean, it's, it's more or less even, but you're going from the top of the screen down and then not just to the bottom of the screen, but you're, you're scrolling down the whole time trying to navigate through obstacles. And so the thing is you're the, this marble so you're just a round ball. And so if you're going somewhere, you have momentum and you have to like really turn and stop and try and like go backwards and things. You have to really plan ahead what you're going to be doing, because if you're going one way and you want to stop, well, it takes a minute to, to get it to stop. When it, whenever you push a different direction on the D-pad, it takes all your momentum into account. So the thing has to kind of like j- j- gradually slow down. It's kind of like you're putting for, you're not directly controlling it. You're applying f- some degree of force to it. It's kind of like super monkey ball. If anybody's ever played super monkey ball. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, like a much older super monkey ball. Yeah, exactly. A much older, like miniature super monkey ball, more or less. Good game, by the way, super monkey ball. Yeah. I, I need to play that sometime. I I, I don't think I ever have, but it looks, if you uh, come out of your game, you play together. It's a good multiplayer game. Oh, is it real? I didn't know. I didn't even know that had multiplayer. Yeah, there's a couple different versions of it that are really fun. That's cool. Okay, we'll have to give that. We'll have to do that sometime for sure. But uh, yeah, Super Monkey Ball. I've always looked fun, but I've always thought it looked fun. But as you said, I also have always thought that it does look like it could be frustrating. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so as you're doing so, so, some sometimes you'll be you'll just have to navigate this really thin little ledge where if you accidentally roll a little bit too far to one side or the other, you'll fall off. And when you fall off, you don't die instantly, but it kind of sets you back a little bit. And you only have a certain amount of time. You you have a limited amount of time for each level. And if you don't get through the level in, you know, a minute or whatever it is, then you lose and have to start all over. Uh, There's also little worm things on some levels that that kind of walk. They don't they, they walk around like slinkies. And if they land on you, then they suck you up and it kind of like takes you a minute to come back. Sometimes there's another marble that just. It's just, just the biggest fucking asshole. And all he does is roll around, try to knock you off the edge and knock you backwards and stuff. And sometimes there's weird slopes that you have to navigate and stuff like that. So it's just all this big puzzle where you're trying to get from, from one end to the other and controlling the ball very, very carefully. I kept getting to the fifth level. And on the fifth level, when you start, it says, everything you know is wrong. And... What? And... The gimmick on this level is gravity is reversed. So you're going down to up. So if you see a ramp. So confusing. If you see it, well, if you see it, yeah, it's not too bad, but it is a little bit because if you see a ramp, then you're going to roll up the ramp really fast if it's going up. But if it's a ramp going down, then it's really hard to go down the ramp. Uh, So that's kind of how it screws up, screws you up. And there's this one part 
near the end where there's this tiny little ramp, but you cannot go down it because, again, because gravity is reversed. You can start going down it a little bit and then you just roll back up. And what you have to do is get momentum going up to it and turn just right to where you don't hit any. You're, there's this really narrow pathway with walls on both sides. You have to get momentum going, turn around through the pathway, then turn to the uh, ramp without hitting the walls because those will slow you down. And then when you hit the ramp, you immediately have to fall off the side of it. And I just could not hit it just right. And I so I got stuck on fifth level and I was never able to get past this one. I was like, geez, that's, just, that's such a shame because I really want to see what the rest of the game is like. Well, I pull up a video just so I can see like what some of the other levels look like. There's only one more level in the whole game. Oh, you're kidding me. No, there are six levels in Marble Madness. And it doesn't like take forever to get through them. It's about a minute per level. So that was hugely disappointing because, you know, you expect a full-priced video game to take more than six six or seven, you know, sometime under 10 minutes to play through. Yeah. Uh, that was just nuts. I'd always, I had always assumed there were 30 levels or something like that, you know? But no. Endless. Huh? It almost feels endless with those types of games where it's yeah. just like... Mm-hmm. That's what you would expect, but nope. Six levels, that's it. The, si- the last level, to be f- to be fair, does look pretty tough, but I mean, it doesn't look too crazy. It looks like five or six tries, maybe you could get it. Six hours, you just don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. But, uh, yeah, so that was a little bit of a disappointment. Anyway, cool game, not nearly enough content. All right, then I got Ninja Gaiden for NES. Ooh. This came out in 1988. This is a, uh, as you probably know, it's a side-scrolling action game. You uh, are a ninja going around just killing bad guys. That's it. It's it's basic. It's about as basic Nintendo as it gets. However, it's very very hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, One of the hardest games, I think. Right. It's it's it has that reputation. I don't know if, if I would necessarily quantify it as much. It is extremely hard. As far as one of the hardest, yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe. But there are a lot of really hard games you got to keep in mind. Like, for Nintendo, maybe top 10. Wow. I mean, it's it's a super, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to diminish how fucking hard this game is. But Nintendo has some really crazy hard games. Um... But the thing, the problem is, so the game is really cool. As I said, you're, you're a ninja going around fighting bad guys. What, what, you know, what more can you want? I always thought this was like the coolest game growing up because it's got, you got a sword, you've got wall jumps, you can, you, you have throwing stars that you can, you know, get as basically kind of like power ups. It's really fun. It controls really well, but wow. all the mechanics are great, but the difficulty comes not in like a good form where it just kind of takes where you build up skill, you know, to, to deal with things. It's yeah. okay. Oh shit. I jumped onto a platform and then something flew in from off screen and knocked me off. And now I'm dead. That's what I've read. Cause I watched a lot of people speed run this uh-huh. and like the way the monsters spawn at times, is just unbearable. And don't they bump you when you get hit? Yes. It does the thing where it knocks you back. Mm-hmm. And so if you're, if you're on a platform, you're going to get knocked off and die. Uh, it is so annoying if I, so I beat the game, but only because I had save states. Okay. It's not that hard then. Well, 
with save <laughs> save states can do a lot. Oh, you cheater! Yeah. Oh, definitely. There's no way. I've done that too. I'm just trolling. No, well, yeah, I know, but there's no way whatsoever that I would have ever beaten the game if not for save states. There were some parts where I would save it and just play through like the same ten seconds twenty times trying to get past a particular section of bad guys. There's one part where you're climbing a wall and you're you're kind of wall jumping back and forth. And then when you get to the top, there are these kind of like turret things. And they're both shooting at you at the same time. You're supposed to jump up onto one platform, then jump back over to the platform where both turrets are. Somehow kill and somehow kill both turrets without getting hit. Well, you know, presumably without getting hit. And But they're, they're firing bullets nonstop the whole time. Like, not slowly either. It's like, bullet, 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 bullet. I don't know how you're supposed to... I don't know how you're supposed to get past parts like that. I mean, yes, clearly you could just get hit and run past. But, again, I guess the the idea should be that, well, you should, you know, if you're good enough, you should be able to get past this without getting hit. Yes, people can do it, but it's the people who just play it hundreds of times in a row just trying to, to, to perfect, you know, the game. It's Still die the stupid shit. Yeah, it's... Normal people have no way to get through this game. And yeah, there are so many parts where there's a ledge on the edge of the screen and you jump over to it and a bad guy pops out and knocks you off of it. Or, you know, he hits you in the air before you even get to it and knocks you back and you fall into a pit and die. So many times that happens. And then there's sometimes where there's not even that, but there's ledges and there's a tiny little ledge, but there's a bad guy walking back and forth on it. And so you have to land exactly on the right spot at exactly the right time, time your jump exactly right, and then hit him as soon as you get there to kill him, or else you're just going to hit him and he's going to knock you off and you're going to die. There's these eagles that fly around on a lot of parts, and they're super damn annoying to deal with. They just fly back and forth, like coming at you, to hit, just hitting you. Um, one of the final boss. so at the end of the game, the final boss rush, there are three like final bosses in a row. Course. Uh, one of them was even with save states, it was controller throwing hard. I have, You're kidding. I've not wanted to throw my controller probably since I was 10 years old. This made me want to throw my controller. Uh, he's just, it's this thing sliding back and forth across the top of the screen. He shoots these flames at you. And you can't just hit him. To hit him, you have to jump up onto a platform and then jump off of that and then so you can get high enough to hit him while he's moving back and forth, shoot these flames. But the flames, they don't seek you out, but they basically seek you out and they go pretty fast too. It is extremely difficult. And that's after a boss that has these like little flame things flying around him that are almost impossible to dodge. You have to... In fact, I didn't even know how to beat him without getting hit, but I saw later that you can wall climb just super, super high when he gets close to you, and then that's 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 how you're supposed to get away from him. Uh, but yeah, that's I mean that's pretty much it for the game. It's the knockback and the enemies just spawning off screen out of nowhere or while you're in midair to come knock you back. Those are the things that make the game so hard. It's just an, an annoying level of difficulty. It's not where it's yeah, it actually like it. Yeah, it's not challenging your skill. It's just surprising you with shit that you that you didn't have yeah. any reason to expect. I describe that as like being challenging in it being challenging versus just stupid hard. Like I hate things that are just hard to be hard. Where it's like things that are creative, right? Like things that challenge you mechanically in a way that's not over the top, or it's like a puzzle or. 
you know, whatever it is. Like, I, I enjoy stuff like that, but I hate stuff that's just difficult just to be difficult. Like, it's just like, yeah. I, I'm at the point in my life where I'm like, I just don't need that. And we're like, I'm just, my, my ego is, is small enough at times where I just don't care. I'm like, I have to beat this. Like, no. That's, that's why I really appreciated Hades. I feel like Hades was that perfect balance where it was like, oh, this is difficult, but it's approachable. Like, this oh, is yeah, definitely. Fun. And you learn and you get better as yeah. you're playing it. And it doesn't just, it's never just, you know, Oh, here's something popping off screen instantly. Is this going to hit you and, and destroy your yep. whole run, right? Uh, it doesn't just throw stuff at you that you had no, you know, no way to, to, to know was coming in. It's too late to dodge by the time you see them. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, pretty frustrating. Still, the mechanics are cool. It's a pretty fun game until you get past, I guess, maybe the third level or so. And then it just becomes annoying. Real quick side note. I saw a video about the uh, the first guy to ever do a uh, no damage run on Ninja Gaiden for so f- you know as you can imagine just like there are people speed running this and games like this there are also people who just uh, just are psychopaths who <laughs> are psychopaths and play the game and the whole goal is not to beat it not to do a speed run of it but to beat it without taking any damage whatsoever the whole time f- for the longest time that it was thought that that was actually impossible on ninja gaiden because of the final boss uh even if you dodge everything just right you know you memorize obviously you have to memorize all the bad guys and everything and what to do the whole way through even if you could do all that then there's this part on the final boss where he's got this you he's got a head at first and you start attacking the head and then at one point the head falls off and rolls towards you and it's too big to jump over so you just have to take damage at that point and then after the head roll, falls off and rolls off, then you have to kill the rest of the bad guy, of the, the rest of the final boss. Well, people eventually found out that the head does have limited HP and it is possible to kill it. But the thing is, it's, it's impossible to do it before it hits you. You know, maybe you can, maybe you can kill it just at the right time, but uh, it's basically impossible. It's still impossible to kill it before it hits you, before, you know, like does the roll by and hits you. Well, what they fig- what they eventually figured out was so the reason it's impossible is because you can only attack so many you know your attack animation has a certain speed to it and you can only attack you know a certain number of times over any given amount of time well they re- and, and there wasn't enough time to kill this thing before it falls off and rolls at you well what people then discovered was there is an attack cancel in this where you can attack and then cancel the attack animation what you have to do is jump up and then press down in the attack button, uh, and he attacks, and it ins- and then you can, if you do that again, you press down and attack again, then it'll instantly cancel the attack animation and attack again. So you can theoretically do that as many times as you're able to press the button. <laughs> but to, in order to use that and kill the head before it rolls off and hits you, you have to do it 15 times in one second. And Excuse some me? some guy actually fucking did it. <laughs> What a monster! I, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember his name, but I was watching the video of it, and it is just insane. You know, he said he practiced for months just hitting down and B as fast as he could, just to build up like the muscle memory, you know. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so I watched the like this video I was watching showed his run, and he's like, "All right, I'm to the final boss," and it's loading, and he's like doing, he's like practicing real quick, practicing real quick right before it comes up, and then he runs up to it and does that, and yes, he presses down and B. 15 times in a second. That's incredible. 
It was... Give me 10 seconds, I'm going to struggle. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, just a quick little side note. I got one more game. This is the longer of the of, of these three games that I played. Actually, the longest of all the games that I played for this episode. I played Xenosaga. This is a JRPG. Came out for PS2 in 2002. It is part of the Zeno series. You know, like there's Zeno Gears and there's fucking Zeno Saga, yeah, of course. And there's Zeno, Zeno Blade, Zeno Cross, I think is one of them. They're all, I don't think they're really connected except for the ones that, you know, are obviously, you know, Zeno Blade 2 or whatever it is, is connected to the first one. But aside from that, it's just, they kind of have the same thematic things like, like giant mechs, but they're not actually, uh, connected story-wise and I don't even know if they take place in the same universe they might but I'm not even sure about that but as I said Zeno Saga came out for the PS2 in 2002 and this was when I was just kind of discovering JRPGs honestly as I said before I really never played any growing up this is one of the first three or four that I played I think I played like probably three RPGs before this one this is probably about the fourth RPG I played and what I remembered about it was that it takes a long time to get going. Yep. Then I then I uh, ultimately really ended up liking it, and uh, and I beat the game and really enjoyed it. That's what you remember. That's not what happened. <laughs> That's what I remembered. <laughs> You've never played this one, have you? I ha- I never pl- well. I watched a friend of mine play this quite a bit, mm. um, and I, I would go over his house on the weekends, and I never really played it. I just we would kind of talk through strategies and like, I would try and help him where I could, you know, just be a backseat gamer. Gotcha. <laughs> so the, I, the, the, the premise of the game is you, uh, the, the main character is a girl named Shion and she's kind of like an engineer and she works for this company called vector. They make military supplies and stuff. They also make, uh, realians, which are androids. And the, the realians are bred or bred. They're, they're, they're made. I say bred because they're given very, very human qualities. And it's, it's really, um, they're, they're basically treated in game as if they're, as if they're human because they have, they're, they're not just robots that look like humans. They actually have feelings and things like that. Robots so in disguise. Yeah. <laughs> so as you can imagine, one of the things that come up thematically is, well, these are machines, yes, but we have given them emotions. So, do they would should they be considered, you know, on the same level as humans? Like, do we consider these machines still, or do we do do they deserve some higher uh, level of, of do do we need to assume they have a higher level of sentience since we have given them feelings? That's what kind of one of the themes of the game, and there are all these realians. And then there are, and they're, they're bred, they're, they're, they're built for military use. And then there's one super powerful one that is named Cosmos and she's like crazy, insane, powerful. And of course she's for military use as well. And then there are others that do other things like not necessarily fight, but they're all designed and, and produced for, for a certain purpose. At the same time, there's also these ghost-like alien things that are attacking people from time to time. And also there's this big giant vaguely cross shaped thing called, Oh fuck. I don't even remember what it's called called. uh, I think it's called, Oh, it's called the Tesseract, 
which has some sort of power. People think it's uh, the first thing that was ever created in the universe and that it holds the secret to, you know, the universe and all this kind of stuff. And all these things uh, supposedly tie together in one way or the other, although I still haven't really figured out how that is. Um, most of the game you're going through, and you have a party, of course. It's Xion, and then these other people that you come into contact with throughout the game. Uh, Cosmos is there for most of the time. Um, these other people you meet, there's a guy named Chaos, who is a little, who's kind of more of a magic user. And so magic, you know how in Final Fantasy, there's magic and then there's technology. And yeah, um, but a lot of the technology is built on magic. Okay. This is sort of similar, although it's a little bit, leans a little bit more toward all of the technology just happens to use a little bit of magic. Okay. And it's much more, this, everything is really, as you can probably tell, is very sci-fi themed. Whereas Final Fantasy has science fiction elements, but it's really kind of more classic uh, fantasy, more so than science fiction. This one also leans the opposite direction. There is magic and stuff, but it leans much more into sci-fi. And... So chaos is a person who uses their, their magic is called ether. Um, you eventually get a guy named uh, ziggurat eight. He goes by Ziggy. He's kind of like the Auron type character. He's just kind of a stoic sort of badass guy who does melee damage. There's a, <clears throat> a realian that looks like, I guess probably a nine or 10 year old girl. Her name is Momo. She's, she's primarily a healer. Who else? There's a oh, there's another realian. Oh, I, I actually I'm not even hundred percent sure. I think he's a realian, but I don't remember. I, I could be misremembering on that. His name is uh, uh, Junior, and he's got handguns, <laughs> which is kind of random. Okay. But he's also really cool. The, his his guns are cool, so I kind of liked him. I feel like I'm leaving one person out. There's Shion, Chaos, Cosmos, Ziggurat. Momo. Maybe that's maybe I'm, I can't remember. I feel like I'm leaving somebody up. That's all I can think of right now. Anyway. Oh, and junior and junior. Uh, and so Shion's main character. She also kind of uses some ether and a little bit of physical damage. Cosmos is mostly physical damage as is junior. And in the battles, you, it's it's weird. It's not just like attack or use an ability. You have different kinds of attacks. And you have attacks that have different properties. It might be a striking or like a slashing attack or a piercing attack or a beam attack. And when you use one, you can then use a second one. But the second one, you can only use like determine based on the what the first one was. So if you use... One certain attack is your first one, then that leads to two other certain types of attacks you can use as the second one. And you can also, you have like a gauge that builds up. So if you want to, you can use just one attack or you can guard and that'll give you more gauge the next time. And then if you save your gauge up, then you can use a tech attack as your final attack, which is pretty much the same thing, but it's just a lot stronger. So you get into this groove where you're trying to figure out which attack is used for best for best for which enemy. 
but it's really, really hard to keep up to keep up with because there are so many different enemies that you're like, well, I don't have any idea. Was this was this one weak to ether attacks or slashing attacks or piercing attacks or beam attacks? Is there a way to scan them? You can scan them for oh gosh, you know what? I think you can scan them, but I don't remember if it only shows their HP. Or if it also, if okay. there's a way to also, I know you can scan for HP. I don't remember if you can also find out what they're weak to, but I don't, but, but even if you do that, I don't think there's a way for it to sh- then show up every time you'd have to rescan every, every battle. Sure. And so it just, you're basically just guessing like, or at least that's how, what I found myself doing is every battle. I'm just guessing, trying to guess or just trying my best to remember what they were weak to. And if, if not, well, well I guess my attack's just going to be a little bit weaker, but it, ultimately doesn't seem to be a big deal in most cases, but it's, uh, it's like enough of a deal to kind of be annoying, <laughs> but not, but not such a big deal that, it, that it really screws you up too bad. If you pick the wrong kind of attack and then there are, so the way, so you, of course you level up like usual, but then aside from leveling up, you have ether points, you have tech points and you have skill points. And you can, so when you're with your ether points, you can use them to either like expand down the ether tree for like the spells that the character has and, and like go down any branch of the tree and get new spells. Or you can transfer a spell to somebody else. If you have a good one that you think somebody else, you know, would be really good with, you can use your ether points to transfer that to somebody else. Um, but what I found is the ether spells the attacking ones like like chaos for instance is kind of sort of like a black mage more or less but all of the ether spells really suck ass they're super i never did one that was more powerful than just a basic attack the best thing that ethers that ether that the ether spells are used for is for buffs and things like that like you have some that are really strong that'll make your that'll that'll give you uh your your character will come up more often in battle like the, it just get, makes them quicker and they oh, get to attack. Cool. Yeah. They get to attack more often, but I mean, it took a while. It takes a while to unlock that. Of course there's healing ones that are, that are really important. And then there's some that just like raise defense, raise offense, stuff like that. Those hey, are is the this game purely turn-based or is there any ATB to it? No, it's purely turn-based. Okay. I assumed as much cause it's a little bit older, but yeah. And then there's tech. Uh, so there's the tech points and you use those to upgrade your tech attacks, which I don't really like because you, you unlock new tech attacks as you play through the game. Like just, they just naturally unlock. You don't use points to unlock them. Just every once in a while, it'll be like, Oh, you unlock this new tech, uh, tech attack. And so you get into this weird thing where you don't want to spend your tech attacks because you're about to, because you know, you're eventually going to get a better one. So you don't want to upgrade the ones that you have because then you're not going to be able to upgrade the really good ones now. But at some, uh, Eventually, you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and upgrade these because there is an upgrade you could do to them, which makes you be able to use them basically as a regular attack. So you don't have to save up your gauge to use them. And so that's really powerful, as you can imagine, if you could just use a tech attack on on every turn. So you might upgrade them once or twice just to upgrade their speed, but you can also upgrade their power and also upgrade uh, the recovery time after you use one, which is which granted is pretty cheap to, to upgrade the recovery time. But I never upgraded power because I always knew that something better was going to be coming, and I wanted to save up my tech my tech points for that. 
So that system was kind of kind of hit or miss for me. Then there's skill points, which you use to extract skills from items. So if an item gives you poison immunity, then you can use your skill points to uh, extract that skill from that item, and your character just always has poison immunity. That was kind of cool, I thought. Cool. It's yeah, pretty cool. Pretty interesting concept. It's a little bit confusing. Some of them were like, would say, oh, this item is level three and your skill level is only two, so you can't do it. But there, I never saw anywhere to that explain how you get your skill level up. Okay. So that was a little bit confusing. Um, but a pretty cool system overall. Then there's another place you can use tech points. You can also use tech points just on your regular stats to boost your stats. So you can raise your max HP. You can raise you know your dodge and stuff like that. So instead of using your tech points on your tech attacks, you can use them on your stats. That was all right too. But as I said, I really found myself wanting to save the tech attack points. Although some characters I would find are like were kind of weak in some ways. So I'd be like, you know, this person really needs a little bit more HP. Let's boost that a little bit. But going back to battle, there are sometimes so so you know, I mentioned with the with the skill points, there were times where I didn't know why I couldn't get a, you know, why my person is only at skill level two. There are all these skill level three things that I would love to get, and I have the points for them, but I'm not that high level yet, and I don't know how to get there. There were also times, like, every once in a while in a battle, I just couldn't do certain attacks. And it doesn't tell oh. you why. I'm sure there's a reason, maybe maybe even an obvious one, but there's there's nothing that says, hey, you can't use this because so and so, you know, if it's it's obvious if it's a flying, if it's a flying uh, bad guy, and it's just like sure. a punch, then yes, it's obvious why you can't do that. But there are sometimes where I would want to do like a tech attack or something like that, and I had saved up for it, and it just wouldn't let me. It just grayed out, so I didn't really understand that. <clears throat> There's something else similar to that. Oh yeah, also buying gear. For your mechs, so some of the characters, so you get mechs, and you can ch- and you choose which characters pilot which mechs, um, and so you set those characters to those. And so if you're in battle, typically you kind of they're, they're sort of like your trump card. If it's if things are not going well, or if you're fighting a really powerful boss or something, then you have your character get in the mech, and it and the mech does a lot more damage. The only downside is you can't heal the mech. So once it gets to low HP, you need to get your character back out. Or else, if it if it gets destroyed with them in it, then they don't. Then they can't. They're basically dead for the rest of that battle. They they can't get out and do any more attacking for that battle. You have to get them out before it gets destroyed. And you also cannot heal it um, as easily in between battles. The the healing items for mechs are a lot more rare, and so you have to be really careful with your with your mech HP. You can't just. It's not like you're you know when you're normally in a dungeon and you're just healing up after every battle. You have to be much, much more sparing with your uh, mech heals. So with the mechs, the mechs are pretty cool. But if you have, a, a, if you equip the same weapon in each of their hands, then they can do this thing where, kind of like the same thing I was saying with the tech attacks, you can guard for a turn. And then on the next turn, you there's this really, po- there's, there's a really powerful attack you can do. Um with both weapons at the same time, but you only get this if you have the same uh, weapon equipped in, in each hand. Each mech has a left-hand weapon, a right-hand weapon, and you can give them a shoulder weapon as well. 
so there's this one mech and there's a new weapon that I had found at a shop and I was like, oh, that sounds kind of powerful. Let's let me get two of them, which costs a lot of money compared to the amount of money you have. And it just wouldn't let me equip both of them. It would only let me equip one. What's the currency in the game? Oh, fuck. I don't remember what it's called. I'm not sure. Oh, good. I was just curious. Yeah. Um, but there was nothing that says, hey, this is a two-handed weapon. And it's not because it clearly shows the mech just holding it in one hand. And I could... And I could give it, I, I believe I could give it things in the other hand, but there was nothing that said, hey, you can't, you know, do it with this weapon. So yeah. I bought two and spent a shitload of money on it, and then I couldn't do that. <laughs> and I ended up not using it at all anyways after that yeah, because because it's, you know, it was ultimately more powerful to me to give it two weapons that it, that it could wield. So uh, there was stuff like that where stuff just isn't explained very well. And then in this case, like I blew a lot of money uh, because of that. Also... There are um, a lot, a lot, a lot of cutscenes, many of which are very long. <laughs> I bet you do. There are some 45-minute cutscenes in this game. You're kidding me. I'm not joking. I, I specifically remember reading that before I even bought the game when it came out. Uh, I think it was on IGN. They said, yes, there are some 45-minute cutscenes. Mercifully... And this is really impressive for a game in 2002. You can pause the cutscenes. Wow. Um, but this the game tries with the long cutscenes, and also there are a lot of times where you will um. There's maybe an hour, hour and a half in between, in between fights where you're, it's not even a cutscene, but you're just running around doing mundane shit. Jesus. Like talking to people. All right, now go talk to this person. Oh, now you got to go buy this thing. Oh, now go here. And that's with me using a walkthrough. Some of the locations are insanely confusing to navigate. Like this one ship that you get on fairly early in the game. And then you're, you're kind of on it. You know, you're like often on this one ship for, for, for the entire rest of the game. It'll say, Oh, go down to the basement. Go, basement level two and talk to this person and just like you got to go down to basement one then go around a hallway go in this door pick you know turn right at the fork go around loop around this other hallway go in another door climb down this ladder now you're on the elevator to get down to floor to, to basement level two all right now go down that elevator climb down this ladder run this way in this room go through this door run down this hallway turn left at the fort like it is in like i feel like they purposefully made it just annoying as shit to try to navigate anywhere. Then there are some places not even on the ship, but out in the world where you are not in battle, but you're in kind of like a civilized area. And, uh, there's this place where if you want to go to some places, you need to get on a, uh, on a train, uh, and then you get on the train and then try to find where you're going and navigate around wherever, you know, whatever confusing ass hallways that place has, or you have to get on a shuttle and the shuttle will take you to another place, which then has five or six locations that you get to choose from. And you have like an overworld style map. And then you run on that to where you're going and then go to whatever place you're going. So not only does it get confusing to like navigate one area sometimes, but it gets very confusing to remember, oh shit, was this place I wanted to go? Was it on the place where I take the shuttle to? Or is it a place where I take the train to? Or do I need to get back on our spaceship 
and fly somewhere else entirely. You have to just remember where everything fucking is in the game. It Dude. is, it's, it's crazy that the the things that they expect you to do. And on top of that, sometimes you don't even know where you're supposed to be going. The, keep in mind, everything I've said so far is best case scenario. You you say, oh, I need to go here. Sure. Now, how do I get there? Let me try to remember. Sometimes you don't even know where you're supposed to be going. So you're just jumping on the train. Maybe like the train has, I think, six, five or six places, options on where you want it to take you. You might go to these places, run around all the fucking hallways and go through all the confusing doors, talking to everybody you see, trying to figure out what you're supposed to be doing. Oh, it wasn't this place. Let's try the next place. Oh, it wasn't any of these six places. Let me get on the shuttle instead. Now I'm <laughs> now I got on the shuttle. Now I'm on the overworld. Let me try these five or six places that are on the overworld map. It is do not ever play this game without a walkthrough. It's it's it is insane the things that they expect from the player. You're really selling this game, by the way. <laughs> so, just to give you an idea, I mean, I guess I think I've probably given you an idea, but after the introduction in the at the very beginning of the game, you do kind of like a, more or less a tutorial battle sequence where it's got like, kind of like a mini dungeon that's really sure. easy to get through. The next battle in the game wasn't until three and a half hours in. Oof. All that you're doing that entire time is running around, talking to people, running around, trying to figure out where the fuck you're supposed to go, talk to the next person, then there's a 10-minute cutscene, then go talk to somebody else, then run all through these hallways, talk to somebody else, then there's a 15-minute cutscene. Oh, and in between this whole time, every five steps you take, you get an email, and you have to pull up your like your little device pause menu thing sure. to, to read this email that you got. It is... it's the number of emails that you get at the beginning of the game, it, it you at some points you honestly cannot take more than 10 steps without getting an email. It is just absolutely crazy. And none of them, I mean, some of them do have things to do with the story, but mostly none of them, I'd say about half of them are, are actually maybe should be there. Um, Man, I think that might be about it. It's it's just it's I I don't know why I really like this game. I think the the aesthetics are really cool. Yeah, I was gonna say, aren't the graphics pretty good? I don't know if yeah. they're they're good now, but I'd say they're 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 pretty good, especially for the time. It is a good looking game. Uh, the attacks, some of them look cool and stuff, but battles, the combat's just not that great. Everything in between the combat is okay. Um. The story started off pretty strong. You know, it brings up the realians and things like this. And I was really into it. I was I was really on board. But then, at some point, maybe about eight hour mark or so, it just goes off the fucking rails. And I have, I cannot tell you anything about what happened in the plot. I constantly didn't know where I was. Not even just like in terms of how to get here from there. But I'm like, I'd be in some sort of, you know, dungeon-esque place. And have no idea how I got there. No idea why I'm there. No idea what I'm trying to accomplish just besides following the path and killing bosses and stuff. Question. I remember the boss battles being, some of the boss battles being insanely hard and taking like multiple attempts to figure things out. Is that a fair statement? Or um, were you, I wouldn't say in, I wouldn't say insanely hard, but yeah, there were definitely some pretty tough boss battles. Okay. 
I remember my friend being stuck for like two weekends on certain bosses and we would just sit there and like you oh, know, grinding, wow. grinding, grinding. Grinding didn't seem to really do that much in this game, at least for that I remember. And we ended up just getting like a string of good luck in order to kill some of the bosses we were stuck at. I didn't have that much trouble, but there were definitely a few that I had that I did have a, a fair amount of trouble with. Yeah. Okay. Some cool. of them I'm are, and, and they kind of blindside you with them. Like there will be, you know, there are plenty of bosses that are, that are pretty standard boss difficulty. And then every now and then they, sure. they really hit you with one, which when that part of it, I don't have a problem with, I don't have a problem with there being all. really difficult bosses. Um, but yeah, some of them are pretty tough. Okay. Um, there are characters by the end of the game. I couldn't tell you if they were good guys or bad guys. <laughs> I don't know if I just mentally gave up on it at some point or if it's actually as, or if it's actually just that confusing, but I, the story wise, I was completely lost about eight hours in and just pretty much didn't follow it for the whole rest of the thing. I watched all of the, every cutscene and everything. And I was just like, I, I don't know what's going on. It's, it's like one of those things where they, it's, it's made overly complicated yeah, just to be over, overly complicated. I think so. Yeah, so um, yeah. I just kind of it just it really just lost me. Okay. Uh, there, what was I gonna say? Oh, two more things. There is a cool thing that you can do, which it it takes a little bit of time, but it's kind of worth it. I've I think I've mentioned this before. You can get a super powerful. It's basically a summon. So, oh, okay, and this this actually, to, to back up a little bit, I kind of have, ex- have to explain how you get this. There are these, another annoying thing about the game is there are these locked doors that you'll encounter all throughout the world. And there's actually, like, a backstory to why they exist. It's, it's not a really good backstory, but it's like, oh, something about the AI that designed all the buildings and ships and stuff. There are bugs in them to where sometimes they would just create a room that goes nowhere. And, uh... That's what these are, apparently. They're these locked doors, and they all have treasure chests in them, which some have really good treasure, some have pretty good treasure. And uh, the only way to get through them is you have to find the key for that door. Well, there are something like 14 or maybe 17 of these spread out through the entire game. So imagine you get a key, and it says, oh, this is the one for door number six. You're like, how the shit am I supposed to remember where door number six is? <laughs> In my case, I was playing a walkthrough. And so I just did everything it said and got everything. But I could not imagine trying to remember where a certain locked door is in the entirety of the whole game. Because, you know, you can go back to places you've already been, of course. Right. Um, it's just, it, it's asinine. But... One of the things you can get in some of these rooms are robot parts. There is a robot scientist that you meet at some point, and if you give the parts to him, he'll build these. He'll he'll put them together, and and build these things for you, like these kind of these big machines for you that act just like a summon would in a, in a you know typical fantasy sure. RPG. Um, the first one you get is uh, it's called Throny Blade. And it just looks like a giant gear and the gear like shoots out and hits all the bad guys and does a good bit of damage. Then there's one called, uh, I think it's called dominion tank <laughs> and it's a tank, but instead of shooting the bad guys, it like 
drives up out of the ground and kind of like jumps up in the air and lands on top of the bad guys. It's also really powerful. It's a little bit more powerful than Throny Blade, and it hits everybody and does a lot of damage. Then, if you get a little bit more, I think the, I think the, uh, so you're getting these out of robot parts, I said. I forgot what Throny Blade is made out of, maybe robot arms or something. And uh, Dominion Tank is made out of the robot legs, I think. Then, with the robot head and maybe one other part, he makes, uh, oh gosh, I want to say Seraphim... Something like that. It looks like a little... It looks like the gummy ship from Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> all these are just all primary colors. Red, blue, yellow. Kind of like really ugly, but but they do a shitload of damage, so it's okay. Um, the gummy ship basically comes and shoots everybody. And it also does a lot of damage to everybody. If you get all of these and then find one last robot part, which I think was robot body, um, then you can go to him... And it's still, he doesn't quite build it all the way. He's like, oh, I lost my assistant. You have to go find the assistant and get him back together. You have to go through all the shit, jump through all these hoops. But it's kind of worth it because you get an insanely powerful thing where he combines everything and it turns into a, a, a big giant robot called Erda Kaiser. And it's basically Voltron. I mean, it's almost 100% Voltron. All of the things that you've gotten so far come together and form a giant robot that's all, like I said, like all red and blue and yellow, like kind of sort of like Voltron. And uh, and Voltron comes and does 9,999 damage to every bad guy fun? on the screen. Huh? I said fun? Yeah, it's fun. It's really cool. It's really neat. Most, there are only, as far as I can tell, besides maybe some of the uh, some of the optional bosses, there are only two characters in the entire game that have more HP than that. It's the very final boss and not even the second to last boss, but like the third to final boss. Only those two bosses have more than 9999 health. So almost gotcha. every single enemy in the game, including almost every boss, will die in one hit to Erdikaiser. So... It's really overpowered, but I kind of like something being just so insanely overpowered. Yeah, it's kind of cool, right? Yeah, I, I agree. Some people are like, oh, some people don't like it because it's like too much. But I'm like, you know, if you're going to jump through so many hoops, I kind of give the game a little credit for for kind of having the guts to give you something that's so powerful that it makes <laughs> the rest of the game just impossibly easy to play through. You can't get it until very close to the end of the game. But man, in the last dungeon, that's all I used every single battle. I would just get into a battle and, and use Urtikaiser and it killed everybody instantly. It was super fun. Um, well, I say super fun. It, it, it made the last dungeon of the game more pleasant than the rest of the game. Did you beat this game? Yes. Okay. And uh, it's a little, I think it took me a little under 40 hours right around. Wow, that's a pretty time commitment. Yeah, like I probably wouldn't have done it, but I remembered how much I used to like it. And I remember not liking it too much at some parts. So, you know, I got it like 10 hours in. I'm like, all right, it's probably about to pick up. Then about 10 more hours. I'm like, oh, it's really not picking up. But at that point, I'm already 20 hours in. And I'm like, you know what? I don't want that to all be for nothing. I, I think I'm going to play through the rest of it. So even though I really didn't like it, I did sacrifice. I did make the sacrifice and I did finish the game. It's it's got too many issues for me. I the the story is off the walls. 
not in a fun way. Figuring out where to go is is insanity. The battles are fine, but nothing special. So I just can't really recommend it. Also, one final thing. You know, uh, you know, the, the realians first off, they never go any, they never go anywhere with the theme of, you know, whether these realians deserve to be treated like people, whether they have, you know, souls and this kind of stuff like that never goes anywhere. That was a big disappointment. They just kind of like talk about it a few times at the beginning and then they don't ever do anything else with that. So I was really disappointed that they didn't like try to address that some more. I was kind of interested in where that was going to go. They went nowhere, but one final big complaint about this game, very big complaint about this game, is that Momo, the realian who joins your party, um, she, like I said, she's she has the uh, appearance of an eight or nine or ten year old girl. The game, okay. the game keeps doing upskirt shots the whole. Oh, no, they're not the whole way through. They're not extremely frequent, but I'd say about every hour and a half or so there's, there's, there's an upskirt. Mm. Yeah. Big oof right there, guys. Like that was, uh, and I kind of remembered that, but I was like, maybe it happens like once or twice. And it's maybe, maybe like I was trying to give them, the benefit of that, I was like, maybe that, maybe that was only like once or twice that happened. Maybe it was just because like the scene, you know, she got knocked over and it made sure. sense for the camera to be this way. But no, it's like v- way, Egregious. way more. I mean, like even one, even one time would have been too much, but like way more than you can just say, oh, that was just a one time, like incidental thing. Like it is again, it's not constant at all. And there were times where I was like, oh, no, they're going to do it again. And they did not. So I guess they had some restraint. But it happens consistently throughout the game. And it's very, How it's, bizarre. it's, it's very, extremely off-putting, obviously. Very bizarre. Yeah. I, like, why would you do, why, why would you do that? I remember when I was play, playing, like watching my friend play this game, it did feel a little bit like weird at times like that like even as a kid i thought it was a little bit weird but i, I don't remember that that's what's kind of interesting oh yeah yep it's definitely I thought it was just me but i'm glad that uh well no i'm not glad but at least it was apparent yeah so uh yeah xenosaga a little bit problematic a little bit not too great I, I i'm really let down because as i said i, I really used to like it and uh this time it, it definitely did not hold up to to what i remembered so Monkey Island, The Secret of Monkey Island is our game of the quarter. This one, of course, was was my uh, my turn to choose. And I, I didn't want to choose this one like to force you to play it, Jay. But I what I did want to do, I wanted you to play it at least a little bit just so I could hear. It wasn't so much like, oh, Jay's got to play this. But I was curious. I, I was very curious to hear your thoughts on it, whether you like it. Because I kind of have a feeling... Maybe you didn't like it, but I wanted just to hear your thoughts one way or the other. I was very, I found myself really curious about this and I was thinking about doing a a new playthrough of it on my own anyway. So that was why I chose this one. So real quick, I'll give the rundown and that'll probably let you take it for a little while because people have heard me talk about Monkey Island plenty. This is, uh, uh, of course it's a, well, it was originally a DOS game. It came out in 1990. It's, it was eventually ported onto, I mean, it also, well, I guess it was on Amiga 
and Atari ST. I don't know if that was at the same time it came out on DOS or or shortly after. It was on miscellaneous other kind of more obscure things. Eventually, it also came to Sega CD. Then there were, I guess, maybe about 10 years ago, it got a special edition release, which is the same game, but it also has, you can play with updated graphics. You can switch on the fly back and forth between new version, old version. The the special edition also has voice acting. Um, Monkey Island is l- probably the most loved point and click adventure game of all time. I can't imagine, I can't think of anything that would come anywhere close for a lot of people. Like this wasn't the first, this wasn't the first point and click adventure I played, but it was the second. And for a lot of people, this was the one that kind of, that really brought them into the genre back in 1990 when it came out, or maybe they had played some, but this was the one that really hooked them. Um, the premise is you are a, you're a guy who wants to become a pirate and you show up in this pirate town and uh, you kind of go from there. You, you you find out what you need to do to do to become a pirate. You get caught up in a, a with in a scenario where the uh, the governor of of Melee Island, where you start out, is kidnapped by ghost pirates. So there's a ghost pirate story and all that. And uh, again, it's a point and click adventure game. So most of the game consists of you trying to figure out how to get you know, how to access places, how to convince people to do things for you using objects and things that you find around, uh, around the world using dial, you know, using the right dialogue at the right time, that kind of stuff. So, uh, Jay, I will let you take it from here because again, I've talked about this game many times. It's one of my favorite games of all time, but I want to hear what you have to say about it. Yeah. I'll start by saying I played the, the re-release version from Oh nine. Um, I, was trying to find the original one because I was going to try and like boot it through DOS or, or try to get some way to do it through. Um, I can't think of the program, but I was going to try and, and leverage some programs to try and play the older version, but I ended up finding it on God for, it was on sale for like $2 or something. So nice. uh, I ended up playing the 2009 version, which I read on before I read, I read online people said, or excuse me, before I purchased it, I read online people said that it's pretty well regarded as a pretty good uh, re-release. Is that a fair statement? Oh yeah, definitely. So the game is okay. exactly the same. The only thing that the special edition added was was updated gra- like just entirely overhauled graphics, or okay. not even not even overhauled, but just a new like fresh coat of paint more or less. So uh, the voice acting was the same. Yes, no, 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 no. I'm sorry, that was the wow. other thing too. No, no, no. Okay. The, the the voice acting was added also. So new graphics, okay. but everything is laid out in the exact same you know in in the exact same way. It just looks different. And voice acting, but also you can, as I said, you can switch on the fly and just go back to the old graphics at any time. So uh, I didn't even know that actually. I didn't do that at all, to be honest with you. <laughs> I even told so. you, uh, oh, did you, yeah, because I, I told you, and I, I, I don't remember. Someone I told you and somebody else at the same time. Uh, you just press Probably F, you press, you press F ten, and it and it goes okay. back to the to the original graphics which, I've done it for like two seconds anyway so it, it wouldn't have made, made a huge difference but that's pretty cool but yes i prefer the old graphics and i think a lot of people do but everybody also pretty much agreed that the new graphics do look great and also the voice acting is great voice acting is fantastic it's phenomenal uh so yeah so secret of monkey island uh to robert's point you know the, the game kind of kicks off you are on this island and initially when, when i first started playing it I was like, okay, so this is just some adventurer who hand, happens to land on Melee Island, which, by the way, Robert, you forgot to say trademark after you said Melee Island. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, Melee oh. Island trademark. Yeah. You got you to say the trademark anytime you say Melee Island or <laughs> uh, Secret of Monkey Island. Yeah, thank you. Uh, but it's it's very interesting. This game really drops you into it very quick. So the, the one thing I will say throughout this game, the dialogue is extremely clever. 
uh, for, for the most part. There are times when it's got a little bit of lulls to it, and, and it, you know, some of the humor doesn't doesn't isn't perfect. But there are definitely some pretty funny things. Um, I, I really appreciated kind of like what I was just talking about the trademark, which is pretty funny. It's it's basically throughout the entire game. Anytime one of the characters says Melee Island or Secret of Monkey Island or a few other select things, there's always a trademark at the end. Um, and with this version, they had the voice acting, which the voice acting is phenomenal. I love Guybrush. His his, uh, his voice actor is hilarious. The the person was definitely committed to the role and just just did a phenomenal job of emanating different emotions throughout it. Because Guybrush is not like he's not a typical hero. He's he's kind of a at the beginning he's kind of a loser. He starts to you know he's I wouldn't say he's a loser. He's just kind of he's picked on a lot by everybody there. You know he he yeah. said he wants to be a pirate and nobody believes him, so he has to prove it. And what ultimately, and I didn't beat it, so I'm curious. I have a very sneaky suspicion this is like some sort of theme park because of some of the, unless they, they don't necessarily address that at Interesting. all. Interesting. There's some kind of campy sort of theme parky stuff. Like, so essentially to become a pirate, you talk to these guys in this bar and they tell you you have to complete three events. Uh, one, you have to steal an item from the governor. Two, you have to um, beat, or you have to become the master swordsman. And the third one is you have to. What is the third one? Uh, f- find a treasure. Oh, yeah, find a treasure. So I did treasure, uh, sword, stealing, I think is the ordering that I did for it. Okay, so, so you did all the trials. Yeah, I did all the trials. I got I got to the part, and then I, I got my crew as well. That was oh, the, cool. the part that I stopped at. So, and I, I, I will probably finish it. I was a little frustrated with certain things, and I'll, I'll kind of talk about that. But this game has the has the is it called the verb menu? Is that the right terminology? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so it has the verb menu, which I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize that at first. I thought it was just like clicking around and talking to people and stuff. And then I went to like the how-to section. There's a really good how-to section that teaches you how to play the game. And there's actually quite a bit of buttons in this game, or you can at least use them because you can keybind the verbs that exist in the verb menu. I think there's a total of six or nine different verbs that you can use. You predominantly only use a couple of them, but um, yeah, I think there's nine. like six or nine of them in total. It's nine. So, and they can do different things like look at an item, use an item, pick something up, give something. Um, I, I don't remember the rest of them because those four were kind of the primary ones that I used throughout most of it. Yeah, they, they so the I, games, the like uh, adventure game developers eventually learn that you don't really need all those. But yeah, there's like open, mm-hmm. close, give, talk to, look at, pick up, walk. Uh, give, use. Yeah, use, stuff like that. Yeah, and so there's and what I like about this game, I will say, as somebody who is not a huge point-and-click adventure player, two things I will call out right off the bat: there is not a whole lot of stuff to interact with on every single screen. There is a good amount, but it's not overwhelming to where you just kind of like click on things until something happens. It's not necessarily one of those games. The second thing is you don't generally pick up a whole lot of items, so if you don't know where to go, you basically just look in your inventory and you get a pretty good idea of where to go based on what you have. And also, if you hit the H key for hint, it tells you... I, I like the hints in this game, too. It was a nice little balance where it'd be like... Oh, I forgot. Maybe... The... That's a special edition oh. thing. I forgot about that. Oh, okay. It, it's it's kind of nice because it doesn't like tell you, like, let's say you need to go to the boat, right? It's like, you know, you find a transportation vessel and you're like, I still don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Maybe look near water. I don't know what you're talking about. Go find a boat. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, you do a couple of them, it, it gets a little bit more clear. And it, and, and I will say, I did get lost um, quite a bit. There there was quite a few times where I wasn't 100% sure where to go. Um, and essentially, you know, the game has has a couple different viewpoints. The first one is, you know, your, your typical point-and-click adventure. You can obviously go... Uh, left and right through maps. There's certain maps where you can go into the background as well, which takes you in a different room. 
there's doors, but there's also an open world. When you go outside the town, there's sort of an open world. There's only like six locations or so, and you can go to the different locations, and then it goes to a more you know traditional point-click adventure where you go screen to screen to screen. As well as when you're traversing between towns, there's random random encounters. Not really, but there's these pirates that wander on the roads, and if you touch them, they you open a dialogue, and it goes back to the traditional point-click adventure, and they basically say something like, you know, be careful, bumped into a pirate out here, or something like that, like something really like cliche. And then if you at, at a certain point you learn how to use a sword, and then you start to learn how to do combat. And combat is surprisingly pretty clever and pretty funny, but also gets very repetitive and kind of annoying, especially as you are doing it more and more. So the idea of combat is essentially either you start or they start, and you insult one another. One of you starts off by insulting the other person, and then you have to respond back. And it's kind of like paper, rock, scissors. You have to respond back with the correct response. If you don't, then you get pushed further to one side. If you get it right, then you push them to their side. And if you get like two or three wrong in a row, then you, you just lose the combat. Nothing happens. They just kind of talk shit to you. But early on, you have to do this a lot because you need to learn all the different insults and the responses to the insults, which is a cool concept. The only problem is at a certain point in the game, you have to fight a boss, or I guess you could call it a boss, and you have to insult her or, or more or less respond to her insults. So you have to basically do a bunch of these random, random fights over and over and over to learn enough of these these insults and sometimes they just don't do them like you'll you'll get the you, you'll say something and you're like i already know the answer to that and then you say you say it and then you know they say something else you know and you're like ah, i already know this one and then you say it back and then the battle ends and you're like ah, i have to do another one and at first it's kind of cool like the first three four five battles it's, it's kind of a cool concept it's funny it's clever and then it gets extremely repetitive and maybe you can answer this robert it feels like there's probably 15 to 20 different insult lines I don't, think, I don't think I don't think there's that many. I think there's maybe tw I want to say like 12ish. Okay. I I think I got 10 before I ended up fighting Carla, but Okay. Yeah, um, um they um yeah. that is a a complaint. That, that is a common complaint about that part. And I <laughs> I agree that is that it is it is get tedious, but it's not also when I was playing it this time, once I got through with it, I was like, "You know what? That didn't take really that long." So Yes, it is tedious, but it's not like you have to do it for an hour. It's like 20, 30 minutes. It's like 20, 30 minutes, yeah. But it, it just it just gets kind of repetitive, and it really it slows down the game. Uh, for me, at least, it slowed down the game a lot because I was like, making a lot of progress, making a lot of progress, and I was like, okay, there's this thing. Okay, I need to do this. And then it was just like repeating those fights over and over and over. Um, what you know, somebody was never played for. What was that? One thing that I really do like about that part Yes, everything you've said is totally true. It, it is a little bit of a slog getting through there. But what I what I really do like about the insult sword fighting is uh, the way they handled it when you get to the boss you mentioned, who's the sword master. And that, she, you have to beat her. That's one of the things you have to do to become a pirate. Um, she she says different insults. Yeah, and, but I you really like that. Yeah, but you have to use you, – you still have the same bank of comebacks. So you have to figure – you have to figure out, oh, okay, well, this is one I haven't heard – which comeback would be the appropriate one to, to yeah, say to there, this? There's some context clues too, right? Like there's certain things that are similar between her insults and, and the, the random pirates as well. So like the game does a good job. And I, I actually, by the way, Lisa and I played this together. Oh, so, cool. um, so yeah, so it was interesting. We both really liked that part. I thought that was clever and it was fun. Like I was like, oh, are we just going to go to this boss and copy paste the same response as we just did right. the random pirates? And I was like, no, it was actually creative. And we dominated her. I think it was like one in five or something. Like we just stopped nice. her. It wasn't even, wasn't even a, challenge <laughs> um so yeah you get the sword master or excuse me you get a t-shirt from her this is what i was talking about the amusement park thing so when you when you feed carla she gives you a t-shirt 
And then there's a guy in town who wants uh, 100 pieces of eight in order to get a treasure map. So you buy the treasure map from him. Um, it's, it's not a traditional treasure map. It's one that has dance moves on it. And you're supposed to use it in this forest, and the, the treasure map basically tells you the directions you need to go. It's kind of like the forests in like Zelda where you know you basically need to go the right way, otherwise you're going the wrong way, and there's only one right way. Yeah, it'll so just like spit basically... you out and be random. Uh, random yeah, exactly. So I got to the end of the, the forest. I didn't bring the, I didn't know I needed a shovel. So I get to the end, and there's oh. this big-ass X in the ground. And I'm like, shit, I need a shovel. And I'm like, I know who has the shovel. It's that annoying fucking shop owner and he's gonna be pissed that i'm gonna try and steal a shovel and then he's gonna come back and he's gonna yell at me and then i'm gonna have to buy it from him anyways and i'm like oh my gosh so go back to the shovel go back to the dig spot and you dig 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 and I'll, I'll, by the way i love the narrations the narrations were killer there's these there's a few a few key moments where they do narrations where you know it's like Guybrush is digging a hole and the camera pans to the left and it's like a few hours later and then he like pans oh, right. back and he's still digging and then it pans away again it's like many hours later and then he you know <laughs> continues digging and digging and digging um, ultimately finds a treasure, which is a t-shirt. So you get two t-shirts for the first two quests. <laughs> and then the third one, uh, you have to go to the governor's mansion, uh, which I was super pissed the first time. So you get there and there's these piranha dogs outside and you are supposed to feed them meat. So I fed them meat. I tried to walk by. Guybrush is like, no, hell no. I'm not going to even know things. They're going to eat me alive. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I just fed them. And then I'm like, I wasn't supposed to feed them the meat. They're supposed to do something else. So I got a piece of meat and I'm like looking around. And then I remembered I picked up the flower in the forest and I'm like, okay, put these two things together. I, I did a bunch of use commands in my inventory, just like random shit to yep, try and find yep. it. Classic. Figured it out, got the, the poison. Uh, they say the dogs are sleeping, but they sure as hell look dead. Oh uh, yeah. I gives you like a little pop-up that says, just so you know, like <laughs> these dogs are just sleeping. They're not actually dead. Yeah, the, the narration again comes in there. It, it's pretty good. So you you put the dogs to sleep, and then there is probably the funniest scene in the whole whole game that I thought that I saw. So you walk in the house, you're looking for this thing. The sheriff, who's been kind of a dick throughout the game, a very limited character, who ultimately turns out to be LeChuck, which is the the bad guy. But uh, he approaches you, and then you end up having this fight off scene where you basically like essentially go into a room and you fight him in the dark and there's all these random animal noises and there's just random things happening. And what's cool about it is the game kind of plays itself. So at the bottom left hand and the bottom right hand of the screen, it tells you what your left and right click do respectively. So it could be like use, look at, move, open. And you see like use aardvark horn or like that's that's not the right thing, but like yeah, yeah. it's like these really, really random things and, and like a bunch of them. And then there's, you know, whatever item you find, there's a sound effect that emanates from that specific animal. And you're just, you, by the way, it's this really loud, like crashing, you know, cartoon style fighting. Yeah, you can't see your character's it. behind a wall, so you don't see anything that's going on. You just see this constantly, like, use stapler on yeah, giant yak, you know? <laughs> yeah, so that happens. It's like, it's legitimately like two minutes. It's, yeah, it's yeah. actually a pretty lengthy scene. And then ultimately, Guybrush crashes through the wall through a painting uh, with the sheriff with him. And then they kind of like interact a little bit. And then ultimately you get the treasure, but it's just like this ridiculously cartoony scene. And when it ends, you open your inventory and all that random shit that Guybrush is using on his own is in your inventory. There's like um, the lips. What was like the wax, big lips? Wax lips. Wax lips, which came from a, a gorilla, I think, right? Uh, I, think the, I think the wax lips came from a yak, or maybe it was a gorilla. It's a yak. It is a yak. You are right. So there's this really funny scene, and then you have some dialogue with him. Um, and you end up telling him the truth. Well, you lie to him. You tell him that you're trying to get the, the treasure to take it to the museum. Governor shows up, turns out to be a smoking hot um, woman who basically agree, like is on your side. Um, you end up interacting with her. You get the treasure. 
and then ultimately there a love a love story starts to start starts to produce between uh guybrush and the governor which is really cute uh, and it, it's very quick too which is kind of funny um but ultimately like you know throughout the game there's a lot of a lot of the city folk kind of talk shit to you you know they don't call you a real pirate and it really does feel very theme parky because you're basically like it makes me think of uh shoot what's that tv show anthony hopkins hbo really good show uh, i think it's I the three know. seasons anthony hopkins i don't know westworld it, it kind of made me feel like westworld if you have always ever watched westworld because it almost feels oh, I like watched it Guybrush is the only person in a world full of actors. That's what it kind of felt like to me, where he's like this, you huh. know, wide-eyed, you know, young kid um, who is, you know, wanting to be a pirate. Everybody's like super down on him, and he's doing these quests, and they yield like T-shirts and random shit. And then, so you get the three the three items, but at the same time, you find out that the governor's been kidnapped. Um, and obviously, Guybrush at this point has, I think, I, I don't think they've kissed, or maybe they have kissed at this point. I don't think so, no. <clears throat> And uh, so then Guybrush go, starts a mission to rescue the the governor from LeChuck, who's the bad guy. And by the way, we get a couple of pan shots of LeChuck throughout the, the game, which is pretty funny dialogue. LeChuck's a great character. I, I'm actually kind of sad that I didn't get to see more of him, especially given that obviously the final chapters are going to revolve around Guybrush interacting with LeChuck and LeChuck obviously wanting to smush uh, Guybrush. Uh, one thing I did forget, when, there's a scene where Guybrush hits his head really hard and I noticed afterwards he calls himself a different name, uh, Bobbins, I think. Oh, like you, you, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Shout out the cannon. It's right. Bobbin. Shout out the cannon. Um, uh, Bobbin was the name of the the main character in Loom. Oh, okay. Because it only happened for like one scene. Like he hits his head, and I love that. This is really funny, but the dialogue options were upside down because Guybrush was upside down. I, I thought it was yeah. super clever. Oh, go ahead. No, I just said yeah. That was funny. Yeah, so you identify yourself as Bobbin, and then at one point in the game, he's like, "I'm Bobbin," whatever his name is, and I'm like, "Wait a minute, did he like have dementia? Like, did his head really hurt? Like, what what happened here? Did he have a concussion?" Uh, so I definitely appreciated that. So after you get all the the stuff together, you know, now you basically need to go back or you need to rescue the governor. So you have to put together a crew. Um, the crew consists of Carlo, the swordsmaster, Otis, who is a prisoner who. I had no freaking clue what he was for. I gave him the breath mints and then left him alone for the longest time. I had no idea what he was for. Happened to find him, figure out that he's the dude, and then I figured out how to open the, the the door. Which, by the way, that was a really stupid mechanic. You 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 have to grab like several cups in this bar. Oh, you didn't you like that? This. I did not like that because like you pick up, you take the cup, you fill it with grog, which is basically acid, and it melts the cup. And the cup melts after like twenty five seconds or something. So I was like, well, shit, this is this has got to be the material. But like, how do I transport it? And what you have to do is basically every twenty seconds or whatever, you have to use command the grog filled cup into an empty cup and then the other cup's going to dissolve and then you have to do that like two or three times before you get to the jail cell and then you have to pour the the grog on the actual jail cell in order to open it, or the lock right? i thought i thought i thought that was kind of a clever puzzle it was annoying i, I thought it was really stupid it, it frustrated me so much because we couldn't figure out we're like there's no keys like do i need to use a shovel on it like is there something at the shop that i can use that I, re- um, I do remember it, that that stressed me out when I was little playing it and trying to do that. 100%. It stressed me out today, and I'm 32. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I wasn't a huge fan of that. Uh, most of the puzzles I was okay with. I felt like it was a pretty good middle ground. I did get confused a lot. I, I really could not figure out where to go at times. I definitely used a lot of hints. The goblin on the or the troll on the bridge was pretty funny, by the way. You had to, you had to give him the red herring. And I love the fact that it was a dude in a troll costume. That was just that, that was another thing that made me think um, theme park, by the way. The guy, the troll, and the, the human in the troll costume. I just, it really made me think of a theme park. 
So you get Carla, you get Otis, who's the prisoner, and then the third person you get for your crew is, oh, um, Meat Hook, who is this guy, which I figured that out pretty quick or pretty early on. I went and saw him really early after I got the chicken. So it's a chicken that has a pulley on it, and you have to use it as sort of a uh, glider on this sort of wire, and you basically go across this river, and you go talk to him, you talk shit to him, he kicks you out, you go back in and talk to him, and his tattoo, funny enough, talks to you, which is which is pretty funny. But you go oh, back yeah. to him later on, you let him know that the government's been captured, and he is your third person. And then and he's, um, got a, he's got a um, hook for both hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sorry. I probably, probably should mention the name Meat Hook. Uh, he's also terrified of parrots, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, so from there, you basically get your crew together, and you go and get a ship. And I started talking to the dude about the ship, and then he was like, well, I talked to him for like 15 minutes. By the way, the dialogue's great, but holy shit, sometimes it really needs to be faster. There's, especially when you do the same dialogue options again, holy shit, please have an expedited button or something, because it's like, oh, I have to sit here and listen to this dialogue I've already heard, or just like really slow dialogue yeah. that doesn't matter. And that guy, the boat salesman, that guy could fuck off. That guy is so annoying. <laughs> you don't like Stan? <laughs> I love his hands. I love his wiggling foot. Like, I think it's really funny, but it's fun for like 15, 20 seconds. <laughs> and he's just going on and on and on. And it's just like, I don't have the money. Like, I already know I don't. So, uh, yeah. So then you have to, I'm at the part now where you go to the shop and you have to get a job through the, the, the shopkeep. Um, and that, that's okay. kind of where I got to. Where you, so, have, you have to get a, uh, you have to get a, um, not a job, but a credit. Oh, credit. You yeah. get credit. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, oh, actually, I assumed it was... Yeah, I, th I think you're right. I think they did say credit. I think he does call it out as credit. Yes, so, credit. And I'll say in a, in a, shortly after that, once you have to, once you get credit, then you still have to negotiate on the price. And that, for me, on this playthrough, that was the most annoying part of the game was negotiating the price with, uh, with Stan. If you, if you just... If you get stuck and you want to look it up, it's actually fairly easy to do, but... It's pretty annoying trying to that, that trying to figure I that part out very quickly. To be honest with you, yeah. I'm not like I'm not si I'm not like oh I need to sit here and figure this out. Ha <laughs> ha! Like I don't I, like <laughs> if I get stuck on something, I'm like nope. Tell me what to do. I'm not gonna sit here for freaking twenty minutes trying to figure this out. Twenty Pig Adventures, you know, as everybody's aware, who's listening to the podcast, and if you haven't listened to the podcast before, welcome first of all, but second of all, shame on you. Uh, yeah. We I, I'm not a huge point click adventure person. It's just it's not that I have any criticism of it. I just don't really like it. I, I think the design of it is cool. I think the storytelling aspects are really creative. This game is very good, like in terms of a point-click adventure. The dialogue is, again, very clever. Uh, some of the puzzles are very frustrating. For the most part, they're pretty okay. The actual gameplay of a point-click adventure is where you lose me. I get bored after a little while. Um, it just, you know, I just get to a point, even in this game, where you don't have to click around like some of the, I think it's Sierra ones that are really uh, known for, where you just have to like, click around until you figure something out. Yeah. This game's not one of those games. There's generally like a very fixed amount of things you can do in a specific area, which I really appreciate. But overall, just not, you know, not my cup of tea. I totally get why you like it a lot. By the way, music and voice, the music was really good. I thought, I thought it was a, it was a great addition to some of the scenery, which by the way, the graphics for the newer one are really good. I appreciate the visuals they put into this game. The dialogue again is really great. The voice acting is just a cherry on top. The voice acting between the characters is great. Everybody who's involved in that project is sold 100% on their character. Really impressed by that. It, it did not miss a beat, man. Like they, I, I, I have to applaud the the voice actors of that game because there, there's just no at no point do you feel like this is a person acting as a character in this game. It truly feels like these characters have a personality and substance to it. 
excuse me, personality and substance to them based on the quality of work that the voice actors put in. I, I, I could not be more impressed. And I will say some of the ambient sound effects were great, like the scum bar, I really appreciated. Like some of the ambient sounds were really good. And some of the, just the basic dialogue you had with interacting with different characters, even ones that didn't really necessarily pertain to the main story by any means, it was still pretty cool to see. So, you know, not my cup of tea, but I do definitely understand why this is regarded as a very good game and a very good point-and-click adventure. I'm so happy that you liked it as much as you did. I, I I know you didn't love it, but just to hear the fact that you did kind of kind of like it, at least in some ways, when I was playing through it, I was like, you know what? So this, I, I haven't played through this a ton of times. This is probably, this is probably really? the, the, this is probably the fifth time I've, I've played through it. I just don't okay. replay games very much, but even though this is one of my favorite <laughs> games ever, I just haven't <laughs> played it a bunch. But as I was playing through it, I was like, oh, I just don't think Jay's going to like this. Um, it, it, don't get me wrong. I definitely got frustrated at times and I definitely got annoyed with certain things. And, you know, that's when I, I relied on the hints early on. I was trying to be like, Oh, I'm going to try and figure things out. And, you know, and then at some point I'm just like, you know what? I, I cause my concern was like, if I kept doing that and kept bashing my head, I was just going to stop halfway through and be like, fuck this. Sure. Like, I'm just, I, I can't do it. So I figured it'd be better for me to use hints when I really hit a dead end. And, and realistically, you know, Lisa and I were playing together. So we have two brains trying to work through this together. And so like when we really got stuck together, I'm like, okay, let's just, you know, Let's hint it up and, and figure out what we need to do. How often would you say you had to do that? Um, probably like forty percent of the time, especially when you get to like the middle part of the game. There, there it wasn't like, I guess that's probably an exaggeration because it wasn't like every single thing. But if there was anything arbitrary or like we couldn't figure out where to get a specific item, if we had like a true dead end where there was nobody else to talk to. Uh, we had gone through, we, we essentially go through a pattern early on where we would talk to everybody. And then if we hit a dead end, we'd go back and talk to everybody again, just to like make sure we didn't miss something or we were like, maybe there's an event that happened or like a trigger of some kind. And then at that point, like if, if we put a decent amount of effort, effort into it, we are like, okay, let's, let's just do a hint and we'll see if that helps. And sometimes I'll be honest with you, the hints didn't help at all. It, it oh, actually really? made it even more confusing. <laughs> I was just like, oh, okay, we are way off from where we, where we need to be. So did you ever, do you remember any that when you, read the solution you were like how the fuck was i supposed to figure that out um probably i'm trying to think of a good one because this is one that i generally consider pretty fair with the puzzles although i do think there are a few that are still like ooh, that's that one that one is kind of tough the grog one kind of pissed me off for sure like that one when i figured i was like i guess that makes sense but it just so the reason i don't like the grog one is because you never had to do that mechanic before in the game there wasn't a situation where like you had to time besides based. Time, yeah time based but also like you know you had to take the flower and apply it to the to the meat right to to get the piranha dogs to to quiet down or to to fuck off it, it's you know, I get that there's that piece of it, but for the most part, you really didn't have to use an item on another item. And then to have to do it multiple times while you're going somewhere was just like, you know, I, I feel like they really stretched that one out. And, you know, to some extent, I'm sure people really enjoyed it, especially, you know, when you're really putting a lot of time into it. But that just really turned me off because it was just we had, we had a really strong dead end at that point. And it was like when we finally got it, it was just like, oh, my God, like <laughs> it was just one of those things where you're just like, this is so frustrating. Sure. Um, other than that, the, when you had to follow the shopkeep to get to Carla, that was the other one that, that was kind of like a, oh, like, that's pretty obvious, but also at the same time, like, I don't know, that, that kind of annoyed me as well. Really? Other than that, I feel like for the most part, they were pretty, pretty fair. Okay. Yeah. I, um, of course, replaying through this one, the two things that, that, that I found the most funny were, uh, 
this is this is just kind of a minor little easy gag, but I th- I, so I don't know why it like hit me so hard this time. But I loved when you get shot out of the cannon. So mm-hmm. there's the there's a circus, and there are these two. They're called the Fettuccini Brothers. They're like the two circus yeah. owners, and they're they're arguing over who has who they're going to shoot. They 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 knew. Um, they have to test out the cannon that shoots a person out of it. And they're arguing over which one of them has to be shot out of it to test it out. And then you come along and they're like, Oh, Hey, we, Hey man, we got this great opportunity for you. We're going to shoot you out of the cannon. You just um, need a helmet. <laughs> but yeah, you just need a helmet. So you find a helmet. It's, that's pretty fairly easy puzzle. And uh, they shoot you out of the cannon. So your helmet is, so spoilers, your helmet is just a pot that you found. Yeah, and, in the uh, kitchen. In the kitchen. Oh, yeah, that bird thing, by the way, was kind of annoying. The bird thing? The bird with the red herring. Yes, that was the one that I was thinking of for sure. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that one. also kind of irritated me. Yeah. Um, and so they shoot, you put on the pot on your, you put the pot on your head, you climb into the can and they shoot you out of it. The first thing that happens is the pot goes flying off of your head as soon as you exit the cannon. She didn't even notice that. You know? <laughs> yeah. You, of course yeah, he, I knew it was a good helmet, but damn. Yeah. They shoot him straight into a pole on accident. So yeah, you hit it and that's where he says the thing like, my name's Bob in Threadbare or whatever. And he's upside down. But, um, yeah, if you watch the animation, the first thing that happens as soon as he gets out of the cannon is the helmet goes flying off, which I thought that was really pretty funny also one of the famous scenes is when you're underwater and uh yeah, yeah that was a good one yeah they tie the um it's it's the sheriff right doesn't he do it yeah LeChuck. He, yeah 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 yeah, he, yeah yeah lechuck slash the sheriff he they um he ties the idol that you got from the <laughs> governor's mansion he ties it to your leg and tosses you into the water and uh it's, it's funny because there are all so you're tied to it and you're trying to the the, the puzzle is to try to figure out well, how to get, I'm stuck to this idle thing. I'm tied to it by a rope. How, how can I get out before I drown? And there's all these really razor sharp objects all around you. Swords, daggers. Yeah. And they're all just out of reach. You can't reach them because you're tied to it and the rope isn't long enough. Well, um, this is actually the, the one part in the game where you can die. And really? uh, yes, because remember early on, he says, I can hold my breath for 10 minutes. Like as one of his skills, You're kidding me. yeah, if you, if you stay there for 10 minutes, he will actually die. And, um, uh, so I had never actually seen that before. So I sat it, I let it sit there for 10 minutes just so I could see what happens when he, like what it looks like and all that when he dies. Uh. Cause I'd never seen it and I had never seen this before, but if you stay there long enough, then, uh, there's like a little, doc right above you mm-hmm. and this guy walks up these these two guys walk up and meet each other and one of the guy goes hey nate i just committed a felony with this knife what should i do with it <laughs> and the guy's like oh dude you need to toss it in the water and he goes oh but but what if i need it for something else and he's like dude they're gonna use it to trace it back to you you gotta get rid of it and he's like no you oh you know what Maybe I should toss it in the water. And then he sits there for a minute and he goes, No, nah, you know what? I think I'm just going to keep it. And then he walks off. <laughs> it's a really funny gag, especially considering you're sitting under there, you know, trying to Drowning. find a, a sharp object. And you're so you're hoping they're going to toss it in so you, so you can grab it. But uh, after all that, then he just walks off with it. One other thing I want to say as well is I was, I was really um, surprised and kind of impressed with the adult level of the dialogue. I assumed, you know, point click adventures and my experience have always been like really kitty and the dialogue is usually very simple and, and very, mon- not mundane, but very tame. 
this game has some pretty pretty good dialogue. Like there's some pretty funny things. A little, not, I wouldn't say off color, but they were much more adult than I expected. And what, how so? Like, can you give me an example? Like the example is is the governor with uh, Guybrush. Like she's like, hey, what do you want to come back to my place? And I was like, wow, uh, okay, like okay. that was uh, <laughs> kind of surprising to me. Like gotcha. it was very forward, and there was definitely a lot of uh, sexual energy going on in the in in the situation. And they they just 100 addressed it. They were just like, yep, this is what's going on. I'm like, oh shit, okay. Yeah, and at the same time, they're not like, you want to fuck? Or it's not like Leisure Suit Larry it's, it's or something. Artistic. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's artistic in that regard. It's, every, it's, all, it's all like kind of implied sexual yeah. attention. Um, so you said something extremely interesting, which is you think the it's theme a theme park. What, yeah. So can you elaborate on why you think that? I, I kind of said, I mean, the couple things that stuck out in my mind, I mean, the, the prizes you get, like, it seemed like to some extent, you, you know, know from, doing the, from doing the from doing the trials. Yeah, as soon as, I, as soon as you dug up the treasure, actually, also the treasure site, which is basically like a scene from SpongeBob. It's just a giant, you know, X on the ground that is just so <laughs> obvious. And also, there's like a there's like a billboard uh, that's in the background. If you look at it, it's like you know, be a friendly treasure digger, like don't leave any trash or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. Like, this is very campy and, and like, theme parky. It also, and like I said, Guybrush feels like the only authentic person there. He feels like the only person that's not in a character. Um, I, 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 it almost feels like he, like, that's not saying Westworld. It almost really feels like Guybrush is a, is a person and the rest of them are just actors, you know, at a theme park. That's that's kind of what I got from from what I saw. Why, is that is that accurate? Well, I don't, so here's the thing. Two things that I want to know. First, that's, I think that's an extremely <laughs> astute observation that you say about Guybrush because a lot of people do view him as like a kind of a like a loser type guy, but he's really not. As you say, he's he's kind of the only normal person, and there are people who treat him like a loser and stuff. But really, he's all he's he's a pretty normal guy, and he's he's one of the few characters who's kind of like why is this happening? Like, this is kind of stupid. Like this yeah. and that, like, and I think that's something that, that a lot of people forget about. So it's, it's cool to hear you say that. Um, but yeah, so the theme park thing, that's actually a theory about what is going on. Interesting. Which is really crazy that you, uh, that you thought the same thing after just playing, not even the whole game. And for the very first time, so what? Ha so here's spoilers for the end of Monkey actually, Island. I'm probably gonna finish it. So if you actually don't mind, I don't actually want to know yet. I, I'm okay. probably gonna finish it. What about Monkey Island? Actually, what about Monkey I really Island? Like Chuck. What about Monkey Island uh, Two? Can I spoil uh, that? You tell me. I mean, if if I, I probably not. If I had to guess. Okay, I'll, I, I'll, I, I'll, I, I won't tell any spoilers. But what I'll say at the end, at the end of Monkey Island Two, something very ambiguous happens. Okay. And it's it is a very kind of confusing ending that suggests very strongly that it could be a theme park. But at the same time, there's something else. There's something else that happens at this at pretty much the same exact moment that also suggests, wait, no, actually, this is this is real after all. And it hasn't been totally figured out. But yes, one of the. Um, th theories that the, uh, to be fair, like the game itself kind of basically says, Hey, you should think this, whether or not it's right is up for debate. But that is one thing that is suggested by the game at the end of monkey Island two is that 
you've been in a theme park the whole time. The trademark also gave me that impression too. I forgot to mention that. Oh, the tra- I never <laughs> thought about that. I never thought about the yeah. trademark being. That's really I was just like. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, you you picked on up. You picked up on more things than I have, as far as that goes. <laughs> it, it was just like early on. I was like, oh, that's clever. Like that's fun, right? And then I was like, at a certain point, I'm like, but maybe that's intentional. Like maybe there. That, that was kind of where my brain went at a certain point. I was like, maybe that's intentional. Um. But, also, I I know I had never noticed this before. One of the pirates that you have like the the random encounters with. Yeah. One of them. Uh, the first thing you said to me was like something, something, what are you doing here? Guybrush. Oh yeah, he does without you even. Yeah. Yeah. I do remember that actually. Yeah. yeah and, that, that's not kind of my mind. And so you're like, Hey, wait, how does he know my name? I just assumed that you, at that point you started to become like known because at that point I'd beat up a lot of other Maybe. pirates. So that's what I, that's what my, that's what I justified it as, but I don't think that's right. I yeah. think there's something else. So the, yeah, the game strongly suggests that this could have been just a theme park the whole time. And in fact, it basically kind of says this is a theme park the whole time, but it also, like I said, without getting into too much detail, does something that says, wait, no, 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 it's actually not a theme park. It's, it is real. So and that's kind of the question too, which is like, huh? Do you know what I mean? Like it doesn't seem like it's a animatronic or something like LeChuck's ghost ship looks like a real ghost ship. So yeah. that was everything. I'm like, I was kind of bouncing back and forth. Like, is this real? I don't think so. Maybe it is. I don't know. And another <laughs> thing, one last little thing is a lot of people point out the, um, the Coke machine. Oh, yeah. Oh, what about it? Well, that wouldn't be there in a real pirate. You know, oh, that's very Coke true. machines yeah. don't belong in pirate towns. You know, it unless... doesn't fucking work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. You know, unless it's part of a theme park. So, uh, yeah, that's that's could be the case. It hasn't really been definitively answered one way or the other. Oh. Wow, that was fun. I'm so glad to hear that you kind of liked it. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I definitely respect it for what it is. You know, like not point clicks, not not my cup of tea all the time. Right. But it was a nice, nice little breakaway. And what's funny is like I, I a lot of people are probably wondering like, you know, that's the only game you played. I have been burned out on classic games since uh, since the last podcast we did because I played way too many JRPGs at once and played oh, way ouch. too many classic games at once. And I just like after Super Mario RPG, I was just like, yep, I am done for a little bit. I need <laughs> I need a break. I need to do some other things, play some multiplayer games with people and just relax. So yeah, I, I definitely get that sometimes every now and then. Yeah. Monkey Island was a perfect segue for that. Cause it's only like what, eight hours long, I think in total. Yeah. I want to say something like that, yeah. you know, obviously depending on, on how fast you get through the puzzles. So like 12 hours for me then. <laughs> um, cool. Okay. Well that's, there is secret of monkey Island. I always love talking about this game. Um, Jay, so, what's our next game of the quarter going to be? We're going to play Guild Wars 1 together. We're going to play another MMO. Guild, Wars, Guild Wars 1. Yes. Whoa. I am very curious to see how you feel about this game. <laughs> okay, cool. It is very different. Um, it is a great, great game to play with somebody else, too. So we'll, we'll talk about it a lot more, but there's really intricate class designs a really in-depth story i wouldn't say in-depth story there's a story i don't remember it being crazy good but also don't remember being crazy bad either okay the gameplay is fun um we could play it we could do all the missions even if there are not people online which the last time i subscribed and started playing again there were not a lot of people online so so it's going to be like um, a final fantasy 11 ghost town there, yeah, it's it's probably going to be very, very lightly populated. But I always really enjoyed this game. And it's uh, surprisingly very difficult. Uh, okay. Very difficult. So 
we'll have to talk about it more. Start thinking about what you want to play. You know, there's everything you can think. There's a warlock type class. There's a tank. There's a healer. There's casters. There's like a what's called a mesmer, which a mesmer is basically an anti-caster. They all they do is basically disrupt other casters and mobs out in the world will interact with that mechanic. So uh, yeah, start thinking oh. about what you want to do, and we'll be playing that here in the next. Actually, we should start playing soon, honestly. Okay. Well, anyways, because, uh, yeah, so there's a game coming out here in the next couple months that I'm going to be MIA for a little bit. So. Was this a WoW expansion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I don't want to own up to that, but yeah, that's what it is. I, it's, all my friends are playing. All my friends are. Uh, so I just know I'm going to be MIA for a minute, and I don't want to take away from, from us spending quality time together. Gotcha. Okay. So Guild Wars 1 is our next game of the quarter. Yeah, it came out like 2004, 2005. I just looked it up, 2005. Yeah. I played in the beta. Uh, did you? Fun. Yeah, they did a really good closing ceremony. ArenaNet has always been a great company. They did a very, they did some really cool stuff to thank everybody for participating in the beta and stuff. And then they, they the way it ended is you're sitting in the, one of the main cities and they were live streaming it too, which was really interesting for the time, you know, because obviously it's 2005. So um, there's, they're basically these, they said like, Hey, thank you for participating in the beta. You know, we'll send you some in-game stuff. Uh, meanwhile, like enjoy, you know, these, these packages and these giant packages drop these giant presents and they open and there's these giant, uh, max levels worms in them. And they basically just run everybody down and kill them because uh-huh. they needed everybody to be dead in order to, to shut down the server. I don't know why that's just, that's what I read. So uh, everybody basically took off running in different directions. And there's no running in this game, by the way. So everybody's running in different directions and you're just watching everybody getting mauled by these things. I was one of the last people alive uh, on the beta. I was like hiding in a corner somewhere and it took them a while to find me. That's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty good. All right. But hey, before we do top fives, I I meant to do this a minute ago. I want to go and go ahead and read the emails that that talk about Monkey Island so we can kind of incorporate it into our discussion. So this first one, is from Dan. I don't think Dan has written in before. He says, Hi, Classic Gaming Podcast. I've played Monkey Island so many times over the last 30 years that I felt I needed to write in for this game of the quarter. Lots of people have written a lot about the game, so I thought I'd just share a few of my favorite parts. This is not about the game itself, but I do like how the Kickstarter for Thimbleweed Park had the two basic support options. $20 would get you a copy of the game, and $30 would get you a copy of the game, plus Ron Gilbert would forgive you for having pirated Monkey Island when you were a kid. <laughs> a little too on the nose, so I definitely had to go for that one. One of my favorite gags in the game is when you ask the guy in the bar about Loom. If you hit the escape key to skip the rest of the dialogue, it actually goes down a different dialogue path, and he tells you even more about Loom. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. That is. I did not know that thwarting your attempts to speed things along. I couldn't figure out how to trigger that in the remastered version since the escape key just takes you to the main menu. But I remember the first time I caught it, that was what really sold me on the game being special that they that they would throw in a meta joke like that, which a lot of people probably wouldn't even notice if they, uh, if they did trigger it. Yeah. That, this game, by the way, I want to say one of the things is this game did feel very self-aware at times. And I really appreciated that because it was, it was surprising to me. Cause again, I assume this is going to be very, you know, kind of simple, kind of basic, but there were definitely moments that I, I can't speak to any examples, but it definitely felt self-aware, which was kind of funny at times. Like it, it added another element to it. So. Oh yeah, it definitely is. One of the kind of famous lines of the game is the, is put is one of your dialogue options at, for the very last dialogue of the entire game 
where um, I won't give details, but but uh, Guybrush says, "Oh, you know, you know, it's what we learned. You know, we learned an important lesson throughout all this." And and the person you're with says, "Oh, what's that?" And one of the dialogue options is, "Never pay more than twenty dollars for a computer game." <laughs> Uh, Dan says, another one of my favorite jokes is that Stan's used shipyard, the little boat in the foreground with a sign on it that says fuel economy. As is. Oh, never mind. Fuel economy. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, yeah, the as is boat is like half yeah. sunk. Uh, it says fuel economy. The joke being that it comes with three oars. <laughs> I must have. So it comes with three instead of, I think, four is the idea. Or I don't know. Is it three verse two or three verse four? I'd say three verse two, right? Yeah, I guess. I guess I. Certain boats probably have four. Though. I think I, I think I think the could joke the joke could work either way. Like if it yeah. normally has four, but now it only has three, or if it has normally two, but now you get an extra one for more. I don't know. Like I think the joke could happen either way. Anyway, uh, I must have played the game ten times before I noticed it. I guess the joke is su- this is funny. I guess the joke is subtle enough that the artist on the remastered version didn't even catch it. The fuel economy boat on the remastered just has two oars in the, in the new version. Oh, interesting. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a, that was a really good catch, Dan. Uh, negotiating with Stan to buy the ship is always a pain, but I do, I do appreciate how the annoyance and frustration is part of the fun of tormenting the player. I also remember experimenting to see if I could haggle him down to 4,000 instead of 5,000 pieces of eight and to see if I could keep the remainder as cash. The answer is that you can get him down to 4000 but you don't get to keep the extra. It always made me wonder what kind of system was running to track Stan's willingness to sell the ship, since it didn't seem to be a simple yes-no determination of whether he'd be willing to sell it for 5000 I never had the patience to see if I could get him even lower. I also love, that's also interesting, Dan. I also love the joke making fun of Sierra games. When you're up on the plateau with the catapult rock thing and you walk to the far right, the game makes you fall off the edge. This is once you get to Monkey Island, by the way. The game makes you fall off the edge with a pop-up saying, hope you saved your game. <laughs> the first oh, time wow. the first time that happened to me, I was mortified because I, it really had been about an hour since I had saved the game. Um uh, but but I don't think he explains this. But you don't actually die. You, your okay. Guybrush, Guybrush comes back and he's like, "Oh, thankfully there was a rubber tree down there." Like he bounces back up because he bounced off a rubber tree and lands back where he was. Uh, but the pop-up window they give you also looks exactly in the same style of the Sierra windows that you used to get uh, when you died. Huh. He says between that and the fact that the only way to die really does require an aff- an active effort on the part of the player. He's talking about when you drown. They were yep. way ahead of their time on adventure game mechanics, and it seemed like they knew it. Anyway, thanks for the podcast, and keep up the good work, Dan. Dan, thank you so much. I, yeah, thanks for writing in. A lot of those things I didn't, I, as I said, I didn't even uh, know myself. You're learning more than I am tonight. I feel like <laughs> I know. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right, we got a, we got a big one from Simon, and I'm gonna let her. I'm gonna let her have it because she is a huge Monkey Island fan. Pro- maybe even probably even more so than I am. So uh, I'm gonna let her say whatever she wants. Uh, Simon's. She says, Ahoy, Classic Gaming Podcast. When I heard you were doing, we're going to do The Secret of Monkey Island as Game of the Quarter, I somehow convinced myself that I would have nothing to say. It's like when you become so familiar with something that you can basically recite the entire thing. It slips over some kind of threshold where you can't actually form valid perspectives on it anymore. So even though I've already played the game once this year, I decided to play it again to see if she'd already played it this year. 
That's crazy. I had decided to play it again to see if that would trigger any thoughts, and it turns out I was just deluding myself because I can, in fact, talk about this game for hours. You might remember that The Secret of Monkey Island was my number one game you've bought the most copies of. Uh, that I do remember that on when we did that list. Well, I might have bought even more copies of it since then. Oh, man. <laughs> Whoops. I managed to get the... So, if you don't remember, uh, Simon has just the boxed versions of this game for all of the different things it came out on. Uh, I don't know about all of them, but for many of the different things that came out on. So she, so she has it. She has the DOS version, the, the Sega CD version, uh, the fucking Amiga version, uh, lots of other stuff. I managed to get the FM Towns, which is, that's like an old, uh, my understanding is it's an old Japanese type of personal computer. I managed to get the FM Towns and Sega CD versions which I'm pretty sure means I now own every version of it. So that's like 12 wow. versions of, of, of Monkey Island or something like that. I own one, all right, from God. Yeah. So. <laughs> I also ordered the limited run games Monkey Island collector's box. I did too, Simon. Despite the fact that I don't actually have anywhere to put all the stuff it comes with. As much as a financial advisor would not recommend it, I don't regret spending stupid amounts of money on this one 30-year-old computer game. Maybe I'm just overcompensating for the fact that my original copy was very much not acquired legitimately. Uh, my cousin <laughs> copied the original EGA game for me probably not too long after it was released. He lived on the outskirts of a small country town, so I have no idea how he actually came across the game. It probably wasn't very common that the country kid was the one introducing the city kids to the latest and greatest media product. My copy came complete with a glorious photocopied code wheel years later when I finally got a real cop years later when I finally got a real copy the colors on the code wheel looked really weird to me I was so used to my poor quality black and white photocopied version I had only just learned to read at the time but that didn't deter me from being obsessed with this heavily text-based game my brother and I both played it constantly sometimes figuring out stuff together and sometimes making tiny steps of progress on our own and updating each other at one stage, we even had two computers set up in the same room. One was super old with a four-color monitor, but we managed to get Monkey Island working on it. That's that's great. So sometimes we would both play it at the same time. I guess that was one way to prevent arguments about who got to play. Even the crappy distorted colors weren't enough to ruin the enjoyment. Yeah, you had two computers, Graham. I'm so envious. Yeah. One day we were playing the game together and we had just stolen the idol from the governor's mansion and been kicked into the harbor by Sheriff Shinetop. Our parents caught us in to have dinner or something and being the sensible and responsible children we were, we saved the game and quit, right? Of course not. We didn't even pause it. We just left it running. My brother got back to the computer first and I can still remember calling out, Something's happened to Guybrush. I think he's dead. <laughs> I didn't believe him because everyone knew you couldn't die in Monkey Island. So I was amazed when I looked at the screen myself and saw what had happened. We discovered the now famous Easter egg where Guybrush does in fact drown if he stays underwater for 10 minutes. After all, he does boast at the start of the game that he can hold his breath for 10 minutes. This discovery fascinated me at the time. And I went back and played that part of the game again, just to see it happen for myself. The drowning just scene. Like huh? Just like you. Just like, yeah. The drowning scene is something that most people never see because you have such limited options in that section that it's never going to take you yeah. 10 minutes to figure out what to do. And that just shows the incredible attention to detail the developers put into the game. There are so many little things like this that they didn't need to do. 
even and that's that's just like the uh, the loom thing that that, that Dana was talking about little subtle things that they didn't have to do, you know, to make it like, and even some of the stuff you said, like with the text being upside, upside down and, and stuff like that. Um, even subtle things like the animation, like uh, in the animation, like Guybrush turning his head to look at each of the Fettuccini brothers as they're talking, including the part where he looks at the wrong one and quickly turns back. <laughs> then when they shoot you out of the cannon and you land on your head, the text in your dialogue options is upside down. Yep. The game is often praised for its writing and it does have countless memorable lines, but there are also all these small touches that add another layer of humor and engagement outside of the dialogue itself. I think these are part of the reason it became a real classic and not just a good game. Because I'd only just learnt to read when I played the game, there were a lot of words and ideas I didn't understand. That's so funny that you say that, Simon, because I was I must have been roughly the same age, maybe a little bit older, but I remember... There, there were not a lot of words that I, did, that I didn't understand, but I do remember specifically there were some that I would just read, and I was like, I don't know what that word is, but I was reading it anyway, and just going, just going with it. And one of them was the word "gross," which obviously I knew what "gross" was, but every time I saw it written, I thought he was saying "gross" because that's what "gross" looks like, and I didn't hadn't yet <laughs> learned that that's how you just how you spell "gross." If and I use and the funny thing is. I would re- I used to play this game with my dad and I would read the dialogue out loud and I said gross every time not knowing what it meant and he never corrected me. <laughs> I've always wondered why he didn't just say that's that means gross or that's his gross. Uh, he just he just let me roll with it for some reason. Uh, she says my school did this thing where we had to make up our own spelling lists each week like a list of words we wanted to learn to spell. It might have been a method to make kids engage more with what they were learning by choosing things relevant to their interests. Or maybe it was just that the teacher couldn't be bothered to come up with lessons plans, so she had us do the work ourselves. But I would constantly pick words from Monkey Island. (laughs) I think the teacher was pretty impressed that I wanted to spell words like governor and sheriff and mansion, clearly the sign of a child with a future. She may have been less impressed with grog, insult, sword-fighting, voodoo, cannibal... Replaying the game over and over again as I grew up, I found myself laughing at different jokes or just understanding different parts of the story or design that I didn't get before. I originally didn't understand that the dancing instructions were directions to the treasure or that the items in the recipe each represent an inventory item. I used to solve those puzzles by just wandering through the forest until I stumbled on the treasure. Holy shit. That's a lot. That's a lot. How long did that take? And by throwing everything in the cooking pot until it worked. Maybe part of the reason the game found such broad appeal is that it can be understood on so many different levels. And back then, when we didn't have a backlog of hundreds of games to play, even a six-year-old could eventually get through a game that requires complex thinking by just trying everything until it worked. It's not like I had anything better to do. Yeah, I think that is a, I think that is a common thing, Simon, that happened with, with me too and a lot of other people. Like, if you get stuck at some point, you just start try to you just start trying to use everything on everything else until something happens. Then there are aspects of the writing that are important for other reasons. I think Elaine is a pretty significant character for the time. It's still disappointing that there are only three female characters in the entire game, and I don't think the game actually subverts the whole damsel in distress trope all that well. I mean, she still gets kidnapped, and although it's implied that she, quote, had everything under control, we don't ever find out what she was actually doing or see her plan in action. But I do remember that whenever I talked 
about the game to my friends, if I mentioned the governor, every single one of them would assume it was a male character. At the time, I just found it funny that they kept getting it wrong, but looking back, it's kind of concerning that even at such a young age, they were already conditioned to assume that people in positions of leadership and power are male. But there was Monkey Island helping impressionable youths to see things differently. Well, that covers about half the points I thought of, but if I keep going, I may never stop. Years ago, I thought about doing a Let's Play series where I play through each of the different versions of the game, since all playthroughs on YouTube seem to be of the special edition. Oh, that'd be nuts. I never got around to it, but now that I realize I do actually have plenty to say, maybe I should revisit that idea. I mean, I probably won't because that would require effort, but I'm going to try telling myself I will so that I can save the rest of my thoughts for that. I seem to remember this game also appearing on Father Beast's Games You've Bought the Most Copies of list, and I'm pretty sure he can defeat me in terms of sheer email length, so I really should leave some time for the others to have their say. So until next time, keep your wits as sharp as your sword and be on the lookout for three-headed monkeys. <laughs> Thank so you so much. Don't wave it like a feather duster. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't, yeah, don't wave it like a feather duster. Thank you so much, Simon. I was honestly, you specifically, I was very much looking forward to hear what you had to say because I know you are a, a, an enormous Monkey Island fan, as I said, even more so than me. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I was hoping that you would write in. Uh, I really wanted to hear your thoughts. Um, last person who wrote in about Monkey Island is, is Jeff. I won't read his whole email yet. I'll just read the Monkey Island part and then we'll get to the rest in emails in a minute. But Jeffrey says, Hey guys, I'll try to make this quick, but get all my thoughts out. First game of the quarter, first, the game of the quarter. I played a few hours of secret of secret of Monkey Island and I had a good time with it. I completed two of the three trials. I found the idol and defeated the Swordmaster. It's a pretty funny game. Not laughing funny. More like smirk and you think to yourself, that's funny. I already described it actually. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. I already had been mildly frustrated a few times. And I have to (laughs) say that without the hints option, I would definitely not have made as much progress and likely wouldn't stick with it much more. As it is, I want to stick with it and get the beat and get the, I don't know I don't what that know. means. Get the beat. I like keeping mm-hmm. the old graphics way. I like keeping the old graphics way better than the update graphics. Uh, but it is nice that I can change with one button because sometimes I can't tell where I can leave the scene with the old graphics. I went into the voodoo house four times before I realized you could go to the left. I think he means to the right and talk to the witch. Uh, you mean the voodoo lady. Yeah. I see the appeal of these types of games, especially back in the day when we all had more free time. Okay, that, that, it's the free time aspect of it, but okay. Huh? I wouldn't say it like it necessarily has to do with free time, but I don't you know. know I, mean? like, I don't know. I think that is is a big part of it. I think that's a big <laughs> part of why these games aren't as popular anymore. Because, I mean, if you play a game for a couple hours nowadays and make no progress whatsoever, a lot of times you're like, "Look, I've got a fucking backlog. I need to." I need to get this rolling. That is true. That is true. And so, but back then, if you had this game, this was probably, I mean, you might have had other games, but you were done playing them. You didn't have other games that were waiting to be played, you know? So you you were, back in the day, you would be fine just sitting at a computer for a couple hours, just trying to figure something out, not necessarily getting anywhere in that time. All right, Jay, let's do top fives. Sounds good. And then we'll round back to emails. And, and, and wrap it up. 
Sure. And and I wanna I'm gonna preface this by, before we go into the top fives. I picked games that a lot of people within my groups did not know. Cause I, I know I'm honestly like, you know, I generally don't know a lot about classic games outside of the ones that I've either played or seen or watched somebody else play. So like I don't know a lot of the super abstract ones. So I just focus on the ones that weren't popular in my friend groups. Like they were kind of rare or uncommon. Uh, I think sense. that's yeah, I think that's fair. That's good. Um, some of mine, as far as I know, maybe they're more popular than I thought they were, but as far as I know, and especially among my friends, yes, um, not, not very well known. So the top five for this week is best games that only you played. And so, uh, Jay, why don't you knock us off with your number five? What's your five? What's your number five? Sure. My my number five is Chocobo Dungeon 2. Uh, Chocobo Dungeon was a game that uh, Chocobo Dungeon Two rather is a game that not many people that I knew had played it until I introduced them to it, and I was introduced to it by a friend of mine, but he ended up not really playing it a whole lot. He got like decently far into it, and then was just like, "Yeah, I'm kind of bored of it." Same thing with like Secret of Evermore. He actually wasn't like super into it, and then I ended up picking it up, and we we beat Secret of Evermore together. But Chocobo Dungeon, I played with him quite a few times. We never could really beat it. And then ultimately, when I got my hands on it later on, um, I played the crap out of it. And I actually got other people to play it as well because, you know, Chocobo Dungeon being a very, very rogue light, it's a nice game to sit down and play. It's pretty fun. Obviously, it's turn based, but I think it's a, a very nice introduction to that genre. That's a good one. I think that's a good one. My number five is kind of cheating. And I was going to save this for my number one because it's it's very unique among the rest of the games. But uh, then I realized, well, you know what? It wasn't really that good. <laughs> so I can't really say it's the best game that out of out of these more obscure ones. But mine is, uh, as I said, I'm cheating a little bit. I'm going to go with Captain Power, which was not really a video game. It was a VHS that pretended to be a video game. So I don't know. I'm sure some of our listeners remember this, but Captain Power was, it was a TV show, but the game thing that they eventually released was a a VHS that you would put in. And it was a Captain Power movie. Like, I don't remember. It was probably 30 minutes long or something like that. And you also would buy this gun, this little toy gun, but the gun was really, it was like, a spaceship. It was supposed to be Captain Power's spaceship, but it had a handle and a trigger like a gun underneath, underneath. And that's how you held it. And on certain parts of the video, there would be like bad guys, ships flying around. And if you shot them at the right time where the screen would kind of like do a flash or somehow give some signal to the sensor on the gun, and if the gun sensed that you pulled the trigger at the right time that the screen was telling it that you should, then it would get then the like on the gun, you'd get a point or something like that. And if you missed enough times, if it sensed that flash from the screen enough without you shooting, or I think if it was like if somebody was shooting at you and you didn't hide the gun or something like that, then if it took an, it would sort you know, take quote damage. And if it, if you took enough damage, then, uh, there was a part like the ship had a cockpit where an action where a Captain Power action figure went and he would pop it would it was the scariest thing ever for me. The thing would pop open and he would come flying out of it. So uh not really a video game but it tried to act like one. The the Captain Power VHS and toy gun combo thing. All right. Number 4, Jay. 
My number four is actually a combination of two games, both from the Crash Bandicoot series. It's Crash Bandicoot, uh, sorry, the first one is called Crash Team Racing, also known as CTR, and the other one is called Crash Bash. So CTR was a, a basically basically a Diddy Kong racing clone, uh, but in the Crash, Crash Bandicoot universe. And it was a pretty fun title. Uh, I really enjoyed playing the multiplayer. The single player was good. It, it was it was a pretty darn fun game. And I, I played both that and Diddy Kong, you know, years apart, like a few years apart. But I both I enjoyed them. They both they both had the same level of like frustration and aggravation to them. But overall, it was a pretty solid game. And then Crash Bash was a sort of Mario Party game, but better in in my in my opinion because the single player was. I don't know if I call it a Mario Party. I don't think that's a fair thing. It's got like kind of the Mario Party mini games to it, and it had a single player or co-op mode that uh, was very fun. There was a bunch of different game modes you played through, and as you progressed through the game, they added more and more elements to it to make it a little more difficult, a little more interesting, and you could play different characters for it, which in certain levels didn't matter, and other ones it did. They also, I believe, introduced a lot of new characters in both of these games that ultimately were a part of the, the Bandicoot universe. That's nuts. Okay, cool. My number four is Microsoft 3D Movie Maker. Me, huh. <laughs> me and my friends used to play around with this. I think it came free with my computer that I had that I got one time or something like that. And mm -hmm. um, you could make these little 3D movies and it gave you 3D assets to use. You could drop in characters and it, you could tell it how you wanted them to animate. And you could uh, talk into the microphone and record dialogue for them to speak at different points. So we would make these little cartoon these little 3d skits more or less with the characters and stuff and it was actually really a pretty powerful little movie maker especially for something that just is tossed in you know free with windows or what like whatever it came with you know for free uh but like we got a lot of mileage out of this you should play it pretty frequently and made some you know to us at the time what we thought were some pretty funny cartoons how many times did you say but in your recording? Probably every, probably exactly once per episode. Sounds about right. All right. Uh, number three. Number three is going to be Odin Sphere. Odin Sphere, I only really caught wind of this in the last however many years now, but it is something that when I talk to people about classic games and they, if, if they know it, they loved it. If they don't know it, they've never heard of it. And when I show it to them, they love it. <laughs> it, is, it is a game that I feel does not have nearly the reputation it should for being such a such a fun game. And the graphics are great. You know, the play style is fun. It is it is a very very fun game, and it's it's uh, it's always fun to introduce or show people to it as well. Cool, that's a good one too. Number three for me is Godzilla for Game Boy. Um, I really really don't think this one was very well known, but it is a um. It's not what you would expect. It's a puzzle platformer. You what play, the heck? <laughs> you play as Godzilla, and uh, you are just the the each level is you climbing up ladders or knocking boulders off of things to try to get. I don't even remember what the goal is. I guess I don't know if it's just to get to the end of the level, or I don't remember if you're supposed to do that or supposed to maybe kill all the bad guys on each like figure out how to kill all the bad guys in each each level, one way or another. You're, it's a puzzle to figure out how to complete the level by, uh, you know, doing certain types of platforming. And it even has, if I remember correctly, it even has some fairly obscure Godzilla monsters, like ones that you would not expect. Like Hedera is one, which is, if you're not familiar, he's he's basically a big blob of pollution. Um, it's really an impressive game, and I, and I think it's cool that they threw in characters that 
like you know not just everybody knows about but uh i used to play this quite a bit and i remember being a pretty fun game and i also remember you know not being at all what you would expect so it was it was it was a pretty cool cool game in my opinion oh all right number two my number two is dungeon keepers two uh bullfrog game you know big bullfrog person i had populace here as well you know I had to put at least one bullfrog game on here. It, again, very similar. Anybody, it's so funny. Anybody I talked to who ever played a single bullfrog game, they're generally played multiple. You know, Theme Hospital, Dungeon Keepers, Populous. There, there's just so many, so many well-known titles. That usually, if I found somebody who played one of them, they had played many of them. It was kind of like the Hero, Heroes of Might and Magic, or excuse me, Heroes of, or just Might and Magic in general. Uh, it, you know, you generally find somebody who's played one of them. They played many of them. So. Dungeon Keepers 2 is, is a pretty darn cool game. Um, I you know you I know you played the first one. You weren't a huge fan of it. I think the second one is is much more approachable and it should be. I think it's a pretty darn cool game. Don't ever play the, the mobile version, but uh, yes, yeah. anyway. Okay, uh, number two for me is General Chaos. This is a Sega Genesis game. It's a it's a tactics. Um, it's a real time tactical war game. It's very cartoony. You each each side. Um, you can do two play. You can play against a computer, or you can do two player, which is really fun. It's a really great multiplayer game. Uh, you choose like what army guys you want on your side. You, you choose like whether you want one who throws grenades or has a machine gun and stuff like that. And you put you on a map that the map is just the size of the screen, and there are sandbags and barbed wire and trees to hide behind and stuff like that. And the uh, the goal is just to kill everybody on the other side. As I said, each each side has five guys. And you're just maneuvering them Ooh, around, guns. yeah. You're maneuvering them around, telling each one where to go, and just trying to set up in the set them set them up in the best spots to where you know they have cover, but they can still attack the other side. It's uh, it was a really fun game. It's like, it's kind of like one of those things where they took sort of an obvious idea and just ran with it and, and made it really good. Awesome. All right, number one game. My that. number one is Atmosphere again. No, I'm just kidding. It's Bahamut's uh, Lagoon. Uh, Bahamut's Lagoon is a, I, I really have seen very few games with this style, but Bahamut's Lagoon, if anybody hasn't played it before, is a tactical RPG. I think it's made, I'm almost positive it's made by Squaresoft. But when you actually get in combat, as opposed, you know, in a, in a typical or traditional tactical RPG, you generally move up to the person or shoot something or throw something at them. In this game, when you attack them, you go into a turn-based um, combat, very similar to like Final Fantasy One or one of the earlier uh, Final Fantasy games. And I always loved that. And there were there were multiple elements to this. They explored a lot of different aspects of this. Now, I will say this game takes forever to play, but I think the game overall is visually very stunning for the time. I I think the gameplay itself is very interesting, um, and the story is pretty darn good. It starts off on a strong foot. And it's very challenging and not in a dumb kind of way where we were talking about earlier. It's in a way that makes you kind of motivated to try different things and try to figure things out. Also, your character's leveling is very exciting and you feel the growth of the characters. Very very similar to like a traditional RPG, but you really feel this game to the point where it's like, if you grind even a little bit, you know, you can you can notice the difference very quickly in the upcoming battles. Huh. This was never, this was not officially released in the, in this, in, in North America, was it? Really? I actually don't know. I've only played it on emulators. Okay. I, uh, I I don't think I ever played it. I elsewhere. think I think this only got real releases in uh, in Japan. Could be wrong. Yeah, I think I think this was one of the first because my friend brought me a flash drive when I was like I don't know probably like seventeen or eighteen, and he was like, "Hey, I made a NES and SNES emulator. Or I didn't make one, but I found one 
and he had like 30 games loaded on there and this was one of them and i was like ah you know i'm super into jrpgs let's give it a shot and then i opened it up and like this is not what i expected but okay I'm on board <laughs> okay my number one is gate the one of the games I talked about last time, Gates of Zendikon. I think that might that might have been what gave me the, the idea for this top five. Super awesome side-scrolling shooter. Uh, the reason nobody else played this was because it was on the links, so you know nobody heard about it. But uh, it it's one of the more one one of the best one of my favorite side-scrolling shoot 'em ups, and uh, it looks great. It plays great. Does some does some cool things. I uh, I just really love that game. So uh, yeah, but but unfortunately, it was only a, a release on Atari Link, so a lot of people didn't get to experience it. Hmm. Okay, top five for next time. As I said, is the uh, Hall uh, of Fame. yeah the World Video Game Hall of Fame. Which five out of those ten do you think strong list? Uh, yeah, do you think deserve to be uh, inducted? The list once again. Uh, shit, I had it pulled up. I had it pulled up, and you know what I did? I unpulled it up. Let's see. Farmville, which is, should be on nobody's list. Farmville. Um, trying, trying to remember off the top of my head. There was a FIFA game in there. Here we go. I got it. I got it. Nope. Wrong thing. Um, there was... The oh, StarCraft is in there. Which, by the way, rest in peace in StarCraft. Did I tell you about that? Artosis and Tasteless are no longer casting StarCraft. Yeah, you did tell me about that. Okay. Yeah. For the, did I talk about it in the podcast? I'm not sure. Just just briefly, so obviously people know StarCraft Pro Scene has been around for 23 years, I want to say. I think it started in 98 or 99. Uh, and, you know, there have been two predominant uh, North American casters who relocated to Korea, uh, Tasteless and Artosis. Uh, Tasteless being Day 9's brother, if anybody knows any of these names whatsoever. But they announced uh, in the last couple of weeks that they are the ASL, which is the uh, Afrika StarCraft League, is no longer going to be paying them to commentate StarCraft because StarCraft is obviously starting to hit its life's end because of where StarCraft 2 is and StarCraft Brood War is starting to make a resurgence, but really only in Korea. So uh, they announced that they are going to be broadcasting, or excuse me, not broadcasting, but they're going to cast the games. But the challenging part about this, and I hope that they maybe do something a little bit different, they are only going to cast VODs and they're only going to cast it after all the VODs are available. So if the games are played tonight, it may be a few days before they can cast them and mm. they have to upload them, obviously do editing. So it's like, it's going to be rough. It's going to be rough, man. I wish them the best of luck and they're doing some form of like a Patreon or something to help, you know, fund it and make it a thing. But I wish them the best of luck because that is, you know, from my perspective as a huge StarCraft fan, I would not be okay with waiting a couple of days to, to watch somebody cast them just because, you know, news gets out very quickly about um, what has happened, especially if you are somebody who reads about it. So I hope it works out for them. It seemed like they had gotten a pretty good amount of subscription uh, from the public, but it was a kind of an end of an era. You know, it was really sad to see. Yeah. All right. Uh, the, the 10 finalists are Animal Crossing, Call of Duty, Farmville, FIFA International Soccer, Guitar Hero, the Mattel Football 1977 handheld, Microsoft Fight, Flight Simulator, Pole Position. Flight simulator, for that. <laughs> pole Position. Portal, StarCraft, Tron, and where in the world is Carmen Sandiego? Uh, that's the tr the Tron, as you could probably guess, is the arcade at Tron. Uh, so that's our next top five. Let's wrap it up with the rest of our emails.
This one is from, uh, he doesn't give his name or he or she does not give uh, their name. You guys need to get, you guys need to get into some CRPGs instead of all this weeb shit now that you're grown ass men. Is that, is that really what it says? Yeah. What are, what's a CRPG? A CRPG is like, uh, um, oh, I can't even think of the name of it. CRPGs are, what is the name of this game? It's a very, very famous RPG that I, that I can't even, I, I must be too tired. I can't think of the name of it right now. Um, hold on. I gotta, f- <laughs> I gotta sk- skim through my steam library because it's there. I can just Google it too. Yeah. Well, you could, if I, if you had the name of it. Well, I mean, what is a CRPG? Oh yeah. It's, it's classic RPG. It's, it's RPGs that are based on D and D rules. Uh, oh, okay. it's basically kind of like Western RPG versus JRPG. Okay. What is the fucking big one? Um, I, I think Planescape Torment counts as a CRPG. Okay. I think People like the, the, the Iced Wind uh, Fallout. No. Okay. Icewind Dale's. Ooh. I think Icewind Dale counts. Hold on, I, I gotta find this one out. Every everybody listening to this right now is yelling the name of this uh, CRPG. Uh, Baldur's Gate. Oh, okay. There's a new one coming out soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Baldur's Gate, th- those types of uh, RPGs. Okay. Oh, yeah. Like the kind of top-down Top-down and also like the leveling and, and skill systems are usually quite a bit different from JRPGs, stuff like that. I'm not going to lie. I'm a big fan of those kind of, uh, as you can imagine. You like CRPGs? I do. I, I didn't realize it was like a real thing. I mean, I definitely do. I mean, I also like JRPGs, but... Um, you know, I like them for each, each their own respective things. So that's interesting. I didn't know that. Anyway, he gave us some links to some books about CRPGs. Interesting. And like some websites and stuff. He says, look at this list as a whole and don't pay much attention to the. Pl- oh, okay. So apparently there's uh, some lists of. Okay. So one of these. What is this? All right. Is a website. I'm just going to give it to you. Is a website that has supposedly the top 101. Well, this says PC RPGs. Well, I guess a lot of the a lot of RPGs on PC are worse CRPGs. Um, I don't know if a lot of these count. Well, I think a lot of them count. I don't know if some of these count. Um, uh, evidently, the Might and Magic games count as CRPG. Uh, I can see that. I was thinking Oblivion. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Okay. Is that on okay. here? Okay. Yeah, it is on here. So stuff like that. Witcher. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to go play some more JRPGs. We got one from Chuck. Not LaChuck. Just Chuck. Okay, good. He says, hey guys, I've enjoyed the podcast. It's been a long time since I wrote in an email, but I always listen. First, I know this is Game of the Quarter Time, and I'm contemplating playing Secret of Monkey Island. If I do, I'll write another email. Um, let's see. Because I already have a sack of stuff I haven't played, et cetera, et cetera. Sorry, I'm skimming through this a little bit just because we're going on so long, Chuck. Um, no, I actually appreciate doing that. He says, I know I owned and played Full Throttle, another LucasArts point and click. I bought it after playing a demo of it with Outlaws, another LucasArts game. Um, lately, I've been playing through Super Mario World here and there when I get a spare moment. It stands up to time. If you like 2D platformers, it's hard to beat. I'd forgotten how many exploration elements and secrets they added to the game. Oh, yeah. 
almost effectively making it like a 2D platformer version of an open world game, given that you can go back and visit any stage that you want. Um, Great game. I've also, game. Yeah, I've also realized that the advances in gameplay and mechanics as the Super Mario series moved along is impressive. Think about the leaps in quality mm-hmm. through the main Mario game line. Super Mario Brothers to 2 to 3 to Super Mario World, etc., etc. Question for you guys. Do you think Nintendo will ever release a Nintendo 64 emulator for Switch Online? My thinking is that they will not knowing that they can sell the invi- the individual games online and make money just like they've done with Mario 64. Fair point. Thought? Thoughts? I think Eddie's probably right, to be honest. I don't know. I, I never know with Nintendo. Sometimes they do things, and I'm like, hey, Nintendo, I respect yeah. you. And other times I'm like, all right, you're reaching for money. Here's my wallet. Take it. I, I kind of also lean towards no, I don't think they will. I don't really have a like a reason that I think that it just see, it just feels like one of those things that Nintendo's like, Oh, that'd be a great idea. We're definitely not going to do it. Yeah. He says top five games. I play again. Sorry, Chuck. I skimmed through a little bit over this, but uh, my throat won't last if, if I read the whole thing, because we still got a few more to go after this. Um, top five games I played that no one else played in no particular order out of this world. I rented this game once or twice for super Nintendo. There was apparently another version of it titled another world. And that version has been released on Switch Online and the PlayStation Store. None of my friends ever heard of this. And honestly, I think the only thing that drew me to it was the quality of the graphics. Very good vector graphics for Super Nintendo and the mood slash tone. It was brutally hard, requiring you to do stuff over and over just to know which direction to go or what you were supposed to do. But it had a great tone and story. The original side-scrolling Duke Nukem. When I was in high school, I had plenty of friends who played Duke Nukem 3D, but no one but me played the original side-scrolling Duke Nukem. I really can't recall much about it other than it being a fairly generic side-scrolling platformer shooter. It didn't have the attitude or humor of Duke Nukem 3D. I recall the graphics being almost like Contra, but the difficulty level much easier. I think, Chuck, that the graphics were more DOS-ish than Contra, but I, I could be mistaken. Little computer people. (laughs) Our family's first computer was a Franklin Ace 1200. It had a drive for those huge five and a quarter inch floppies. Oh, yeah. (laughs) An orange monochrome monitor. Wow, I have not seen anything like that before. And we maybe had three or four games. One of the games with this one, Little Computer People. So there's a house, maybe. I think Gaming J has played this on his channel. So there's a house, maybe three stories with lots of different rooms, and there's a little person. And you can make the person do stuff like brush teeth, eat, sleep. You can play games with it like Hangman or Tic-Tac-Toe. I also remember the game would log the last time you played it. And if you didn't visit your computer person long uh, often enough, it would get sad. And you would have to do stuff like play games to make it happy. Amagachi. And that was the sum <laughs> of the entire game. Thrilling stuff in the 80s. I, yeah. Gaming J did either this or something extremely similar to it on his channels. You should check it out. Gauntlet for NES. Jay, you're a big Gauntlet mm. fan, aren't you? This game's rough. But yeah, I actually <laughs> almost put this on my list. I was like, eh, no, I'm good. When I was in second grade, my dad bribed me to get good grades by offering to buy me a new Nintendo game. I met whatever goal he set and he took me to the store and said I could pick out any game I wanted. So imagine all the great games available at this time in the mid '80s. I would have had, I could have had Mega Man, Zelda, Tecmo Bowl, RBI Baseball, and I chose Gauntlet. 
The unlicensed black cartridge gauntlet. You remember how some Nintendo games were not licensed by Nintendo or didn't have the Nintendo seal of approval or whatever? The Bible games are the most notorious examples of this. Well, the port of gauntlet is another one, and it was awful. One more, Pong. Wait, didn't lots of people play Pong? Yes, but not after the NES was released, which is when I got a Pong console. I wanted an NES, but my parents gave me a Pong console. It had faux wood grain on it, and it was all one piece with two knobs, one on each side for each player, and it only had Pong and a couple of varieties of Pong. The good news is that in a couple months, my parents got me a Nintendo when I was playing Super Mario Brothers and Duck Hunt to my heart's content. I suspect that my grandparents actually bought it because I know now as an adult that my parents probably couldn't afford to get me an NES at the time. Hmm. That's about it. I guess this was long enough. Current gaming has been Paper Mario Origami King for Switch and Resident Evil 2 remake for PS4. Jay, Origami King gets better as you go along. I put it down for several months because I was bored with it, but for some reason I picked it back up and it's gotten better. RE2 yeah, remake. Uh, huh? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, Lisa played pretty far and I watched her. I don't know. The combat was just such a turnoff for me. I've heard but, a lot of people say that. Yeah. Maybe at some point, but... All right, Chuck, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for writing in. Nice to hear from you. Jay, here is... Uh, I'm going to have you do uh, Chase the Nightly. Uh, you know, we'll save his for the end. Let's let's okay. do... You do Jeffrey's. This is the rest of, Jeff, of Jeffrey's email. I hate the word limit on uh, Discord. I'm going to... It's going to be in a few parts. Okay. Okay, here... There you go. All right. <clears throat> All right. Jeffrey says, zoom in on this. Uh, the other game I recently beat was Dark Cloud 2. I have to say that this game uh, disappointed me in a big way. The characters and storyline are so childish. It tries to tackle some deep topics, but I just actually, you know what? I'm going to copy paste this onto a Word document because this is way too small. Go for it. I have terrible vision. Oh, thank you, Microsoft Word. You guys are so great. Trash cans. Give me one second here. I'm trying to get the background okay. to not be. It's like a, like a black background. Let's do this. There we go. All right. Uh, the other game I recently beat was Dark Cloud 2. I have to say this game is disappointing me in a big way. The characters and storyline are so childish. It tries to tackle some deep topics, but I just can't take it seriously. It's poorly written and the voice acting is a joke. There are so many systems and levels to every aspect of the game. They had so many ideas, fishing, monster transformations, and upgradable robot, excuse me, an upgradable robot, town building, and that's not even half of them. But ultimately, most of them aren't fully developed and are too vague to figure out without checking an FAQ. I also didn't like the leveling system. Your weapons level up and, and are highly customizable, but your characters only upgrade two, sta uh, two stats, HP and defense. These stats are linked directly to story progression and are hard capped. The battle system is just so simplistic that it basically boils down to either using an overpowered ride pod, the other robot you can upgrade, uh, having a melee weapon that is strong against the enemy's weakness and just mashing buttons, or using your ranged attack. Oh, Jeff just commented. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, where I paste That's actually it in so Discord. Funny. Yeah, he responded back to it. <laughs> uh, having a melee weapon that is strong against the enemy's weakness and just mashing buttons or using your ranged attack and kiting. 
I spent the first 10 hours getting my bearings, then 20 hours mostly having fun upgrading weapons and building towns, then 20 plus hours just wishing for it to be over. If all these gripes weren't enough, this supposed final boss has three forms. I beat him on my second and th second or third try to only realize that there are no save points and you are taken to another world where you have to beat five more mini bosses <laughs> with no healing or chances to buy items. Then you face the true final ultimate boss who is super difficult and you only have five minutes to beat him. Jesus. Of course I lost. So then I grind up my weapons for an hour, go through the 30 minutes of bullshit and again to try it, excuse me, bullshit again to try him and I'm not doing damage to him at all. He has a gem on his chest that turns purple or blue, depending on which color it is, uh, one or the other of your characters, you have two characters in this game, can damage him. Nowhere in the game does it tell you this. So I grind my characters up a little more and I finally beat him. So much of this game is totally unfair and it's unclear unless you read it online. I see what appeals to some people about this game. There is a lot to do and it is fun to learn some of the systems. All said and done, I cannot recommend it. I wish I could have those 50 hours back. Wow. Uh, top five games nobody else played. Number five, Wolfenstein 3D. Everybody talks about Whoa. Doom, but I played Wolfenstein years before I heard of Doom. Weirdly, I never liked Doom and I jumped straight from Wolfenstein into Quake. Wolfenstein was a great game. Yeah, I think a lot of, I think, I think a ton of people played Wolfenstein 3D. Anyway. Um, number, oh, sorry. Nothing. Go on. Uh, four, uh, number four and three, Mutant League Football and Hockey. Some games that not enough people played. I hear a lot about NBA Jam, Jam and NFL Blitz, but these two games were pioneers in this area. Number two, Legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. This, this game was great, but part partly because it was on Dreamcast, almost nobody played it. I did play this game a little bit, actually. Uh, number one, Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. This game is complicated to learn, a bit like Dark Cloud 2, but unlike DC2, I felt like everything I learned was rewarding all of those systems, excuse me, and all, all of the systems worked well together. The game was fair, and beating it felt like an accomplishment. Hope this. Uh, hope I got this in under the wire. Felt good to participate in Game of the Quarter. Peace out, my dudes, Jeffrey. And then Jeffrey uh, posted in our Discord here. He's a little snoop. I'm just kidding. Um, he said, I should have put Chocobo Dungeon 2 in my top five. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, man, that's actually <laughs> oh, so nice. funny. Uh, he doesn't even know saying that that, you, that, that that was in yours. Okay. We got two from Chase the Night Cleaner. I'll, I'll take them both. I will be out of here. Hello, gentlemen. Chase the Night Cleaner here with another email. So it's classic gaming podcast game with a quarter, and I've had a quarter to play, but I've been too busy playing newer games with my son or by myself. So I'm sorry, but I can't contribute more than oh, you already great. have on this excellent entry in the point-and-click adventure genre. So for top fives, I know people that play these games, but I don't know anyone personally who did. Wait, oh, I know people played these games, but I don't know anyone personally who did, and I love them in no particular order. Swickedin 2. The direct f sequel and follow-up to Swickedin, it lets you carry over its save data. I didn't know that, which was rad, and it also had a really well, it was also a really well put together JRPG. Yeah, Swickedin 2 is very, like, well-renowned among JRPG fans, but like Chase says, like, really, it seems like they're actually... For for as much love as it gets, kind of relatively few people have played it. It's just, it's kind of like how Earthbound used to be, like not a lot of people played it, but the but the but you but you hear from everybody who has played it. Oh, that's a great game you got to. Uh, Rival schools united by fate. <laughs> PS One. What is Oof. this? <laughs> Some weep stuff apparently. <laughs> a Capcom 3D tag team fighting game. 
about high schools beating the shit out of each other. No one else I know gave two shits about this game, but it was a great time and has some really wicked characters that I would love to see show up in Street Fighter games. Controls were spot on, and though visually it hasn't aged well uh, as 2D fighters of the era, it was still a great game. I gotta see what this looks like. Rival schools united by fate. Oh my gosh. Okay. Front mission for Super Nintendo. This custom mech JRPG from Square was a good time and was one of the first fan sub emulations I ever played through. No one I know has ever played this game and, and a much better version of it was released on uh, DC, I guess Dreamcast, which also no one played. I gotta look into this too. Thank you, Chase. Um, Legend of Mana for PS1. Oh, okay. Hey, what if you made a game where you built the whole world? Wait, Legend of Mana for P? I thought this was a Super Nintendo game. I think he's probably talking about a, a re-release. Cause... Uh, okay, there's a Legend of Mana on PS1. I don't know what I was thinking of. What's the game? What's the Super Nintendo game? It's Secret of Mana. Oh, Secret of, of Mana. Game. Okay, that's Secret of Mana. This, okay, okay. What did you say? This is Legend of Mana. Oh, we both literally did the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Hey, what if you made a game where you built the world yourself slowly and explored the world through unraveling stories in each new place until eventually you could win the game just to be able to play New Game Plus and build the world differently over and over again in that Squaresoft action-adventure style format of the Mana games? That's this game. You make your own character. You build your own world. You control a lot of things, including most of the side stories you can go on. Weirdly complex game that is getting a port on the Switch. That sounds amazing. <laughs> and the graphics look really good too. Holy shit. Uh, I didn't realize that this was just like a me treasure troving for like undiscovered great games. Because uh, all these from, well, I guess the last two, fr uh, Front Mission and Legend of Mana sound awesome. Age of Wonders. While other folks were going gaga over, don't say that, over Heroes of Might and Magic, I was having a moment with this enjoyable little turn-based strategy game. The single-player campaign, Age of Wonders is a turn-based game? The single-player campaign had branching storylines that decided what races you played at the end. There were a bunch of races, custom hero options, and incredible turn-based combat. Uh, this game was great over email or hot seat for multiplayer and the games took forever. Not for everyone, but I really liked it. And it's also why I sometimes look over at Might and Magic and wish they had just done one more instead of using stacks of units to fight. And now for the question of the day that is completely unrelated to anything so far. In a zombie apocalypse, would you rather have a well-crafted melee weapon or would you rather have an unsilenced sidearm? And that's it for me. Thanks as always for this little part of your show. Thanks again. Cheers and talk soon. Chase the night cleaner. Thank you, Chase. Jay, melee weapon or gun? I feel like you go with the melee weapon because the even though it is a silenced silenced weapon, you would have limited ammo. I don't know. I guess I guess I'd have to know what kind of ammo would need if that ammo. Let's kind of say, rare. let's assume. I think the I think the crux of the question is how loud it is. Well, and, it says it's a silenced weapon. No, he says unsilenced. Oh, unsilenced. Yeah, so let's assume you have however much... You have unlimited ammo. Or let's say you have like a thousand right? rounds. Huh? I feel like you go with that then, right? 
I think so. I mean, the, the, the problem is in zombie fiction, if you have a gun, then that attracts more zombies. But you have unlimited ammo. But if you Just have... <laughs> yeah. I kind of feel like... I think you got to go for the, for the firearm also. I'm with you. Unless it's a sword, then we can talk. I'm kidding. Because you're either far enough away to where it doesn't really matter too much if you attract him, or you're in a deep enough shit that you got to use it anyway. It doesn't matter. You just got to shoot and get out of there. Sure. Um, oh, and one more follow-up from Jason says, I almost forgot Radiata Stories on PS2 is a game I love that no one has played. Someone ought to try it sometime. Radiata Stories. All right, I'll check this one out too. Uh, thank you so much, Chase, as always. I'm really intrigued by Front Mission and Legend of Mana. Okay, um, I think that's going to wrap us up for this episode of the Classic Gaming uh, Podcast. Jay, do you want to talk about any games you've been playing? No, any actually, I'm, I'm games? good right now. Okay. Not, nothing of interest. I'm not going to talk about them, but I will just say I played 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim for PS4. It's very good. But it's it's almost more it's more of a visual novel than a game. It's very long. It's a tactical JRPG, and it's good. Uh, also played a, a small game called Dorf Romantic. D o r f r o a r o m a n t i k. It's a little relaxing city builder, and it is very. It's kind of like a puzzle city builder. It is very fun. I highly recommend it. I recommend both, but. With 13 Sentinels, you're really getting deep into some stuff. So uh, you got to make sure you set aside a lot. It took me about 50 hours to, to finish it. Whoa. Dorf Romantic, you can play it in short little spurts. And it's a very relaxing, little fun game. Um, that's all I'm going to say because we got on super long, even for us, I think. Um, yeah. Jay, anything before we head out? Anything else that we need to mention? No. Just thank you guys for tuning in. It's been fun. Thank you everybody for listening. Once again, our next top five is the video game hall of fame picks. Um, next game of the quarter is guild wars one. That'll be sometime around the end of June. Uh, follow us at class games cast. Follow me. I'm at King Octavius. Leave us, please leave us amazing reviews on iTunes or wherever else you want to. That, that's helpful for us. Mail us mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Tell all of your friends to listen to us. Check out other podcasts on the HP Video Game Podcast Network. And uh, I think that's going to do it. Thank you all once again for listening, and we'll see you in three weeks. Take care.